Hello, everyone. <laughs> I'm number six. This is the New Prisoners podcast. Sorry about the no audio there. Don't know what the hell happened with that. Um, Should have had audio. I'm glad we didn't get through it. You know what, Chris? You know why yeah. this happened? Because we were wow. we were fucking around and talking with our good friend Chuck Ocelli about the good times that we had recording podcasts that never made air because we didn't record the audio. And You're then right. the, the technical gremlins got word of that. <laughs> they were yeah. like, oh, oh, is that you guys going to talk smack, huh? We're, we're, we're going to come well, back and mess up all your audio for this show. Well, now it, uh, now it, it comes up with search results. What was, I, that I'm very concerned about, though. That was weird, man. That was really that weird. weird. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to. Oh, now we have audio. I can. All right. Yeah, we have audio now, apparently, but we'll we'll have to try the search engine thing. Let me do a quick screen yeah. share because, folks, we were trying to figure out what the hell was going on. And then uh, I was asking, uh, you know, Chris or somebody in the panel to look us up on Rumble to see what, what they were hearing, if anything, or what was going on. And on my end, we were getting the video. So I thought everything was cool. But um, yeah, I guess no audio. And then whenever they went to search for us, though, they couldn't find us or anybody else. That's never happened. That's never happened before. So That's creepy. let me do let me do a little screen share. And this is the fun thing about doing live shows is that we get to do yeah. stuff like this live. Um, all right. Can you guys see that? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So. Well, what, well, what it says page. is. And then let me it's not the rumble thing. It, that was the uh, OBS, right? Yeah. See, when I search for M5 News, nothing found. When I search for oh, the yeah. new prisoners, that's us. No channels found. Wow. Well, how am I on it now then? Yeah. I just typed in the I guess chat. Ser- I guess Rumble's search engine is down. Right. I mean, they might be doing an upgrade, which I hope they are. Cause I, mean, I hope that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. I've had, I've had some issues like uh, our friend, uh, I'm going to switch back to the panel, but our, our friend, angry tiger, for instance, like if you search for the tiger's den, like yeah. you have to group certain things together. It's hard searching for our friend, critical thought. They're, like this just, I, I wish <sighs> that their, their search engine was a little bit better, you know, and, and being right. able to find things. But, uh, well, if anyone else out there, that is listening or watching. Can you type in the chat room at Rumble? Because uh, I want to know if that's working at least. Because my thing went through. I just wrote weird. Anyway. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Let us know if all the features are are good on Rumble right now, guys. Um. So yeah, I do. Chris, I see you're weird there. Okay. All right. Very good. Let me refresh this because I will mute again. All right. So it says we, yeah, we got some people watching out there. That's good. All right. Um, let me refresh Odyssey. And then we'll just kind of restart where I left off with them. Uh, I'll just restart the, the monologue and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. We are connected then. All right. So sorry about that, folks. Yeah. Some weird technical gremlin stuff again, um, as, as usual here. Yeah. <laughs> Every, yeah. every single week don't get them wet after midnight or don't what don't feed them after midnight you can get them at, you can get them wet anytime chris what what are the rules <laughs> yeah that don't uh you know bring them back by midnight at the ball or whatever it turns into a pumpkin that whole deal yeah nope. yeah <laughs> that, old, that old chestnut but um all right so i think what i'm going to do is i'm just going to start going back into the monologue now 
I'm just going to start there and then we'll roll on with the rest of the show. How's that sound, John Henry? You good on that? Or do you want to say hello to the people again? (laughs) Since they didn't hear you. Just in case, yeah. All right. All right, folks. So thanks to a listener, I've been doing some more reading into behavioral psychology lately, particularly in the field of mind control. This research, dating back to the start of the last century, has had a tremendous impact on all of us in the way we are taught, our participation in the economy, and our place in our nations in the world. This science has been applied to the technology in our culture and is ubiquitous in our everyday lives. Don't believe me? Try asking any search engine who won the 2020 election. If you want something to be true these days, all you need is the money or authority to repeat whatever talking point you want to get across. Want to sell some fidget spinners? All you have to do is pay for the propaganda to drive their sales. Have people in the news talk about them. Have influencers talk about them in a positive way. And if you're really good, you can get government to declare them a beneficial item for concentration. With the help of social and other forms of mass media, you can create demand, cause anxiety through shortages or making the item rare or more sought after. You can even convince people that it is their right to have them and should be paid for with their tax money. The reason I used fidget spinners is because there was never any science to back up the claims that they had helped people with ADHD. Oh, and when I say people, I mean kids, young, impressionable children, children who are glued to screens that we have to rip from their hands as they screech for more, like the dope fiend at the beginning of Ministry's Just One Fix. We are not only controlled by propaganda, we are addicted to it as a society. Our desires to lead better lives and to be happy is constantly fed by a machine that cares not if we ever achieve those goals or keep on living in general. Hell, in Canada, the propaganda machine is advocating for assisted suicide. Why do we then keep going to the digital trough for this poison? Because we need one another. Humans seek approval of others because we are social creatures. Even the more reclusive of us have developed our personalities due to the interactions we've had with others. I know women who have been raped who turned to becoming lesbians because of their experiences with men. I also know vegetarians who turned from meat eaters after they watched videos from PETA of animals being slaughtered. The reason why I include those two very different examples of radical change together is because they both involve trauma of some sort. And unfortunately, if you want to radically change someone's behavior, it takes trauma to break people of their old habits. Don't believe that anti-terrorism needs trillions in funding? Here's a 9-11 for you. Scared that a new virus is going to kill you and your family? Here's a new shot for you and your unborn child. Don't believe the 2020 election was legitimate? Then you support violent insurrection. Over and over, the media will affirm something that isn't true, has no basis in science, logic, or even objective reality. If you can get the idea over with enough people, it becomes law. This, my friends, is why I have very little faith in law anymore. 
No more faith in my country, the system, and the culture tied to it. Because I will not blindly affirm what I do not believe is true. Neither do any of you. In the next few weeks, I'll be exploring more of what I'm reading, which includes newer technology to assist the establishment in making sure we all think properly and in ways that are predictable and stable. Ways that make us easier to wager on, like horses in a race, filled with pharmaceuticals and with blinders on, whipped into running at full speed and no longer under our own voluntary control. As humans, we need culture to reflect values, truth, and the prescription for a better life. We are never going to receive it from those who have continuously abused that power over us. It's time to free ourselves, our children, and the world. Now is the time to start a new culture. That's why we call back to the DIY music community. Because a new way of thinking about music and its purpose can start in a parking lot or a basement of an abandoned building. All you need is people with passion and a will to resist the treatment being forced on them by mass media, government, and banks. We will affirm nothing by force or coercion. We will build a new community, a new nation if we have to. And when we are told to concede that something that is false to be true, we will have each other to defy those wretched forces because we can rely on our brothers and sisters to reject them just the same. And that's this week's monologue. Throw a six in the chat if you feel me. But um Yeah. Yeah. So guys, we we did we get we did it. We did uh the beginning of the show <laughs> successfully. All right. So uh let's hear from everybody. Chris, what you been up to lately, buddy? Well, I'm just trying to survive in this uh horrible, horrible world that we're trying to make a little brighter every day. Uh I hope uh hope we're making some kind of a dent, you know. Um other than that, uh yeah, just trying to, just glad to be here right now, and uh, I, uh, I'm i glad to see that Keisha's with us, and and uh, look forward to hearing what everyone has to has to say about the events of the week. Yeah. I'm very happy that Keisha is with us. I'm also very happy that I got a chance to speak with you on Ocelli.com, which is now back up and running, sir. Yeah, Chuck is very, very grateful to everyone that was able to help out, and I uh, promised that get mad with Chris Grace. We'll be back tomorrow. Um, I had to do, do some health things. Uh, I had to miss last night, and uh, that won't happen again for a while, as long as I can help it. Well, and we're wishing you uh, the best of health, my friend. You know that's that's something that we all struggle with. John Henry and I were talking about that a little bit before we started here about how. Uh, dehydration can just wreck your life without you really realizing it <laughs> or even the reverse where you are putting on too much water <laughs> yep yeah not, not to get graphic but yeah we need to get you some of that dandelion tea i told you about that'll help you there out. you go yeah dandelion wine or whatever you were talking about yep. oh, yeah oh yeah <laughs> it's, it's nice soft diuretic but um now Keisha, um You've been up to some stuff lately. You've launching your own show. You got week you got weekly shows coming out on Rumble. Um, you got all kinds of stuff going on. You've been doing some Twitter spaces too. 
Tell us about that stuff. Yeah. Hey, Six. Hey, everybody. Chris, thanks for having me on again. It's always a pleasure um, chatting with you guys. You're definitely uh, uh, quite the comedic bunch. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I, I started the Karis Project with my dad. Um, we've been having on some uh, different speakers to talk about various topics, like uh, what's going on with the pandemic, actually, at this point. And, you know, we're giving voice to people like families whose children have been murdered, quite frankly, by these um, bioweapon shots that they've been distributing. Um, and, you know, we've had Dr. Mackis on, and uh, he's doing a lot of research exposing, like, a lot of the kids that have, uh, and people and doctors in general that have just been murdered from this. It's horrendous. But I'm just, the channel is just there to give a voice to the people who, have been trafficked or abused by the current medical and tyranny and just basic tyranny that's going on in the government in general right now, just the awful things of the world. I don't have much, but you know, we try to give people a voice and help them any way we can. On the back end, my dad tries to help them with what he has going on with his engineering and the criminal co complaints aspects of it. So it's a little bit of a, I'm, I'm trying to get it in motion. It's not quite up to, part with what you're doing here yet, but <laughs> eventually, yeah. Um, on the side though, I do do some uh, spaces on Twitter uh, as well. And uh, actually I turned 26 today, so. <laughs> what? Happy birthday. Happy yeah. birthday. Today's your birthday? Keisha, I had no idea when I invited you on, it was gonna be your birthday. Man. Yeah, I was like, wow, what a coincidence. I was like, well, you know, I guess so, why not? <laughs> I'm oh, sorry you're hanging out with us. <laughs> no, it's great. It, I had no, no idea what I was going to do today. I mean, I'm not as much of a, I never know what to do on my birthday. I feel like it's just like a day, like just another day. I always forget about it. Um, everyone you're in like, your 20s, you right? Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy it because it goes away very fast. It does. Yes. It does. I feel like just yesterday I was 18 and then I'm just like, man, where is the time gone? And most people my age, yeah, they're like at least on their master's program or some other garbage. And um, <laughs> I'm just sitting here like I'm 26 and just chilling in America um, fighting the government. Well, you're like, making the difference. You're making the difference. You know what I mean? Sounds like a good birthday to me, Keisha. Yes. <laughs> also, <laughs> also, I just want to say that I hope you never think that our sense of humor is being disrespectful for any of the topics that we're talking about. Because for me personally, I need to have that dark sense of humor just to deal with it. All the this crap that we see in the news every day. So it's never coming from a disrespectful point of view. It's just the way I personally deal with, uh, you know, all this dark material. Oh no, a hundred percent. Like yeah. last night, um, I saw the articles that we'd be talking about today and I was so disgusted. I had to go pray. Like literally I had to go pray <laughs> and sing some like Christian songs to like clear my mind because I was like, you have to have a way to, and you know, dark sense of humor sometimes. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm quite the same as well, because what are you going to do? If you don't laugh, you're going to cry and you can't do that all the time because you got work to do. Yeah. So, well, yeah, that and I, you know, I, I, I uh, feel like if I just cry all the time, then, um, 
then I'll just become like, uh, what was it? Jessica Lansbury and murder. She wrote, I think, yeah. you know, and, Angela uh, Lansbury. Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, it just, it's like a pressure cooker, but now it's mm-hmm. not like that at all. That Are you combining bad. Jessica rabbit with Angela Lansbury, Chris? Yeah, I kind of was. Yeah. That's was. a site that I, Oh, Oh, that's rough. Happy birthday, Lisa. Happy birthday. Like the the body of Jessica Rabbit, but the face of Angela Lansbury. That's going to be like a reoccurring nightmare that I'm going to have for the next week, sir. That's what John Henry had said, right? (laughs) Not not me. I just say happy birthday. Thank you. That's kind of what we're talking about. This is fun. That's kind of what we're talking about. Like, we just, uh, we have to. In order to overcome, like what I talked about in the in the monologue, in order to overcome the mind control, the trauma of what we see, like I think it's it's a, humor is a very effective tool in that because uh, humor can take the piss out of any type of situation, no matter how heavy, right? Like, and that's what I, I really enjoyed about. Um, so the, a while back, there was a documentary called The Aristocrats. Um, and it's about a famous, uh, oh my God, dirty you're joke. Go yeah. You're going to go into that now. Oh yeah. I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to tell my own version of the okay. joke. <laughs> you're on right. Maybe, maybe we'll, I'll have to prepare something like that one day. We'll, 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 we'll do that. We'll do our own versions of the aristocrats or something. But Gilbert Godfrey, rest in peace. That's all I got to say. Dude, you're ra- <laughs> You're on that mind meld with me already today, Chris. Uh, cause that's exactly where I was going with this RIP Gilbert Godfrey, because uh, it was right after nine 11, right? Where Gilbert Godfrey came out and and told it was the end of the week of nine uh, eleven, he was at the Friars Club roast, and too soon apparently <laughs> he made the first nine eleven joke, but it was his, you know it was his way of you know dealing with that. Yeah. But a lot of people were like, "That's in bad taste," but it's not like Anthony Jeselnik who made a Boston Marathon bombing joke within the first hour. That was a little harder to uh, to process. Well, it wasn't Jeselnik involved in some deceptive editing with uh, Comedy Central for his show eventually, too? Uh, that's the first I'm learning of that, and I do not have trillions of dollars like a mm. certain uh, Alex Jones. I got you. So there you go. Allegedly. Yeah, he did an interview uh, with somebody trying to paint them out to be like a white supremacist or something, if I'm not mistaken. I'll, I'll look it up, but uh, we'll, we'll maybe touch back oh, on I never even second, heard of this. yeah I, I'll, I'll i'll try and find something on it um but uh or, or john henry if you could find anything anthony jeselnik um comedy central deceptive editing or something like that if you can uh but anyway i i uh i distracted you no but on, on gilbert's thing though like it's just like the people trying to tell gilbert oh no you can't say that you can't do this now you have to think you have to behave or you know think within this box like I understand, like our 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 words have weight to them. You know that you know the words can have a tremendous impact on people. They can make people feel sad. They can make people feel happy. But um, there's something about comedy where there's like almost like a, a subconscious or involuntary response to it too. There's there's a physical response, release of uh, uh, dopamine, endorphins, and other things like that. Um, feelings of love and togetherness. Like, and I'm sure our friend Jason Barker of the Foxhole can tell you, like, when you're in stressful situations, life-threatening situations, even the way he's been, you know, trained, I'm, I'm sure, in the military, yeah. and maybe Tony Arterburn, too, is that you, you need that gallows humor to keep, it connects your group, 
you know, it, yeah. with, the, with each other. It's a, it's a form of acceptance that what you're doing is, is dangerous and life-threatening and, and all the darkness Soldiers that comes with first that. responders, they, they have to see a lot of, and I'm not talking about the jerk ones that are in the news all the time doing the, the thing they're not supposed to. I'm talking about legitimate first responders and soldiers that have to deal with a heavy burden. They tend to have a dark sense of humor, which they refer to as gallows humor. And usually it's not because they're being disrespectful of, you know, the people that they're seeing, you know, because we're talking about people that are seeing like human remains, like when they get to the scene of uh, an accident or a crime or something, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it, that it's a psychological thing. You know, it's like your brain protecting it. It's like the brain protecting itself, you know, in a very weird, I don't know, very weird and sardonic kind of way or I don't know. But anyway, well, it's, it's, I never had like, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. I never never had like, um, no, I was never in like, like a war kind of like situation overseas or anything. Well, that's like the extreme, extreme example. Yeah. (laughs) But just with what I know, like my family and I are dealing with, we have to use a lot of humor in ways that people find a little bit distasteful maybe sometimes or a little confusing. I mean, I I seldom cry over this situation, especially publicly. I try to really brush a lot off and like make it very lighthearted um, because humor, like you need, you need something that's gonna uplift your spirit a little bit and find a little bit of positive light in what's going on. Like if you just always look at it or if at least I always look at it in a oh my gosh, look at what happened to me. It's I'm I'm never gonna get anything done. Right. I'm just gonna be sad all day every day. Laughing and is healthy for you too. Yeah, exactly. Oh. It it makes it so much easier. And then on top of it, you kind of just it I think it's easier to process pain and suffering when you can laugh through it or when you can just it, you can when you remove the emotion from it. It's yeah. easier to process, at least for me. So like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I think a lot of people do think it's weird when you're making yeah, jokes. They, they don't know. <laughs> sometimes they don't know what the background is, so it just appears like you're yes. being insensitive or something. But if you look at like comedians, most comedians are dark, dark people. Like at their core, usually because something horrible is fucked with the you know or messed with them. Sorry like something twisted that person out of shape but their only way to really combat that and it becomes a plus is like their sense of humor you know and same with musicians too like the other thing that makes me feel good personally besides comedy is listening to uh the old grunge bands of like from seattle in the early 90s like alice to chains and Nirvana. you know and uh, sdp even though they weren't seattle but like music and comedy and and i don't mean to cut you off Casey. sorry <laughs> no it's okay you're you're talking you're talking the same points as me pretty much there it, i i'm the same way whenever i um whenever i'm feeling down um and i think it's something that our society doesn't think too much about we're we're always we're being taught to stay in the sadness and the emotion and wallow in it and romanticize it rather than find a solution out of it 
which is why, like, you know, like I said last night, um, like what you said about the music last night, I was going through this stuff and it's not like anything that I am not constantly seeing all the time, but it's just compounded. Right. And another level, just going through some of the stuff, I was like so disgusted, but I, I just, I was like, you know what? I can't, I can't sit here in my frustration. Um, this is how the devil gets at us. This is like how people are like weaknesses are used against them. I was just, I need to pray. I need to sing some Christian songs, have my peace with God. After I did that for a couple hours, I went to bed. I woke up. I was fine. Um, I think that we need to do more of that. I think we need to teach people more of the solution to the problem. More people would probably be okay if they laughed off some of their pain instead of just circling like in a loop of it all the time. And you know, or attacking it's, each other because I see yeah. that now too. Well, John Henry, yeah. like you, you use that uh, management as well, right? Like when you have positive affirmations and things that you repeat, or you know, things of like you're a very regimented person, like you, your schedule, your the, the things that you do, they they all serve a purpose, right? Everything's with purpose. You know, time is the most precious commodity that we have. Um, you know, one of the things for me. Um, I can't even remember where I heard it from, read it somewhere, but it's, um, you know, anytime you're, you're stressing, you know, one of the things I repeat to myself is, um, Lord, please remove anything that takes your place in my mind and my heart. <clears throat> so, you know, when you're, you're going through these tough situations, it's just really a way to try to get back to baseline and really just get that connection back and just turn off all the white noise and, um, you know, regimen's important and having a way to do that like Keisha does. Like she knows that's how she gets grounded, right? And when you think about it, there's so many people that don't have that at all. And when you look at things like depression and anxiety and all of these scenarios that, that tend to consume people from an emotional and a mental standpoint, you know, you wouldn't realize how much something like that can really assist you through those things. It's almost like a damn deep breathing exercise, you know? Um, if you want to lower your heart rate, you know, I like Wim Hof, I like ice baths and it talks about breathing sequences. Well, there's also mental and emotional sequences that can then have that impact on you too. So, you know, I could only hope that, that more people have that method like Keisha does or, or like I do too, man, because it's, um, it really helps you to get back to where you need to be, um, in life and really back into focus and, and realizing what's important. Keisha, you had something to say. Yeah, I really like what you said about, well, I like everything you said. I think it's 100% correct, but I, I really appreciated the ice baths. So mm -hmm. I studied nutrition back home, but I've always been super, um, I didn't finish because of all of this nonsense going on, but whatever. Um, but you but will, I've always you can get been, back to it. Eventually, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody tells me to, and I'm like, oh, I guess but I'll, we'll see how things <laughs> to be go. Fair, Keisha, there's a lot of people that don't finish, finish education and a lot of their excuses are BS. So I'd say that, you know, your reasoning for that is, you know, there's just kind of this whole international trafficking thing that came. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I, you know, I did actually try to continue, but, um, uh, one of the schools ended up not, um, taking my funds from Canada and then Canada sent it to a random place in America and then I had to report it and then 
they didn't send me my books. And then I was like, well, what's going on? It was like this whole mess. And then they refused to just communicate so I could, and then try to get me to continue without actually uh, using my funding so that they could, I, I guess I would have to be on the receiving end of the payment, but then they charged me multiple. It was weird. So anyways, uh, and then I tried doing sophialearning.org because you could pay for those monthly and just, I could pump out a class in a month if I wanted to. And I was doing that, but then as I was writing papers, my marks kept getting lower and lower because they didn't agree with what I was saying. And I was talking about like the human trafficking stuff. Eventually I got a zero and I couldn't move on to the next thing uh, without fixing that one. And she wouldn't get in contact with me anyways. It was, <sighs> eventually I'll get back to it somehow. Um, but my point was, uh, I grew up with a lot of uh, focus on health. My grandmother was a nurse and you know she loves nutrition and mind body spirit god everything and so um i i discovered also uh ice baths and i think they're amazing like at first you hate it everything that's positive for you i think that uh, like at first you hate it it sucks and in the shower i'll go as hot as i can and then as cold as i can but i'll always end it like for the last minute or two like cold and it's it's great for your muscles. It's great for your endocrine system. It's great for your mind. It's it's very soothing. Um, even listen to music, like we were talking about praying, whatever your regimen is or your schedule is, it's something that you have to be so intentional about. Because last night I was like angry, and you want to sit in anger most of the time. At least I do. You know, when I think when you're frustrated, you're not you're not always thinking as rationally. You're just thinking, man, this sucks. This is so annoying. Why are people doing this filth? And you have to like force yourself to be like, okay, actually, you know what? How do I get out of this? What's the solution? How do I fix it? We don't teach people enough of that. It, it, it's, it's almost like people think that they're naturally just going to feel like they should do the right thing or that they're going to want to do the right thing. But it's, I think we need to teach people that choices every day are actually a lot more intentional um if you want to have a positive life or a progressive life if that makes sense i think that the powers that be uh want to dissuade that kind of thing as well you know they're kind of fighting against against us in a way that's just me being conspiracy guy <laughs> you know, Keisha, one of the things I like about ice baths is, um, you know, one of the reasons I started doing that a long time ago was, you know, doing some Wim Hof research. And he talks about whenever you can get to a point where you can handle mentally such a severe physical stressor, mental and emotional stressor, stressors, they're all turned way down, right? It's not as impactful on your on your body and on your mind. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that I really love about those is I like anything that requires extreme focus. Well, I like jujitsu. I like ice baths. Uh, I like lifting weights, right? Because you can't be preoccupied. And I'll tell you this, as miserable as it might feel getting into an ice bath, when you do, try to think about anything else. You can't. <laughs> like You can't think about the stuff in your life that maybe isn't going well. You're completely incapable of it. So the cool thing about it is it's very therapeutic because it is a reprieve. 
right? You just, you can't be preoccupied with things that otherwise would be running around your head, driving you nuts, uh, because you are physically and, and mentally incapable of that because your body just goes into survival mode, right? It's like, Hey, don't die from hypothermia. And that's all you can think about in, in controlling your breathing. And the thing is when you get out of one and just that dopamine hits you, it is like the wildest, like body high that, that, that there is out there. Feels amazing. And it's uh, completely legal, so I highly recommend it. It's good for your immune system, too. So uh, freeze your nuts off. And if you don't have them and you're a woman, or if you are a woman with nuts, you know, got to be careful with that these days. Um, give it a try, man. It is awesome. Well, you said it there, too, John Henry, with the breathing stuff. Because the conscientious breathing is something that, you know, over the past several years, is we've been forced into mask wearing or at least most of us, Keisha would not wear a mask, which is why she was uh, arrested. She stood up for herself up in Canada. Those, uh, those, those pictures that your father had shared this past week on Substack, Keisha, of your arrest or in his before the court, uh, that was an insane situation, um, just as it was described. But seeing the pictures, um, I can pull them up here in a second. Um, but you know, just seeing the pictures of, of you guys back then. Um, fighting against something so ridiculous that now none of these people in, in that court or others, they're probably not wearing masks today, are they? I don't, I don't think they're still wearing well, masks up there, are they, they in the courts? They weren't even, they weren't even wearing the masks when they were torturing us in the facility. Like oh, they were, God, they weren't really? wearing full gear, like or anything. So I, I was like, this, this makes no sense. You're taking me under a public health order. That was written, like, anyways, a public health order, and you're claiming that I came in contact with someone with COVID, and I'm so dangerous, but Keisha, you're not wearing any masks? Keisha, did you ever see that horrible, horrible video from Australia of the, uh, I don't even want to call him a police officer, but he was choking that girl because she didn't have a mask on? And then he, puts and he was her like the, holding her in the air by her throat. And he puts her on the ground and everything and arrests her and everything. Have you ever seen that? It, like, oh this all gosh, just reminds no. me of that. What's the Undertaker's move? Choke slam. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It was one, of reminds worst, me of. one of the worst things I've ever seen. And just hearing your story just reminds me of that. Like, ugh. well, in these communist countries, Chinata and its affiliates, <laughs> the Netherlands and Australia, it's like they just used all of this situation to to blatantly abuse every single person possible in any way. Just get away with the worst filth. Like I like like you just said, holding that girl by her throat. If you if it's he COVID, was and you're her. so <laughs> yeah, choking her. If it's COVID and you're so scared, let's just subject like cut ourselves off from the evil that he's actually doing. And if I'm actually just thinking about the mandates that they put in place, why are you touching these people like that? So bare hands, so close contact. Yeah. Why are you putting yourself at risk to abuse this person? If you're it was so just blatant, yeah, it was just blatant. Yeah. There was no, there, the protocol was bullshit. Exactly. It's yeah. an excuse to abuse people to, and kill people. It's, 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 if you would have told me, Ten years ago that this is what was going on or how it was going to go on i would have been blown away i'd have been like nah man this is <laughs> that's a little bit too far i know i live in uh, a tyrant dictator country but that's a little bit far no 
Absolutely not. That would have been far for me. Worse. And I was Mr. Conspiracy like around even before 9-11. That would have been uh, too far. I would have said that that was something out of 1984. You know? But you know what? I think for the conspiracies, the, the problem, I think, for me growing up listening to conspiracies is that they were they were treated as just that this is this is an exciting ex, uh, conspiracy theory story that could be true. And everybody who goes down the rabbit hole is just to pique their intellectual interest and it's not something that's actually going on, but you know it's actually going on. But because it's been romanticized in a way, if that even makes sense, or, you know, like treated like a fairy tale, you're kind of desensitized to it. And then when the new stuff comes around, it's like a, a cognitive, cognitive dissonance still. It's, it's a weird, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I 100% yeah. know what you mean by that. You know, it just seems like these these topics are so extroverted. You know, they're so uh, connected with other things that are outside of your world, and that that's kind of like a, a form of escapism for the people that you know, run to them often. You know, it's just like, oh, I will. You know, the rest of my life sucks, so let me jump into this story and kind of involve myself in this way of thinking because it kind of gets my mind off of things. But it's whenever that the the conspiracy knocks on your door, you know, and asks for your papers. Yeah. Yeah, then, yeah. then then people start to wake up a little bit. Well, I'm still waking up myself a little bit here, of course. Uh, so I, I pulled a, well, I pulled a Richard Belzer. Well, if you look at it, it was Jim Jeffries, not no, not Anthony Jeselnik <laughs> that that did that. No, what I'm saying is with the conspiracy <laughs> thing, real quick. Yeah, with with that, with JFK and 9/11, if things aren't directly impacting your life, I mean, they do, like especially 9/11. But if you don't see it like on a daily basis, like you do with COVID, mm -hmm. then it's easier to be like, well, you know, that's just a theory or whatever. But once COVID hit, people are like, wow, a lot of these conspiracy theories may not actually be theories at all. You know, just like we like we were talking about people's plight, their freedom is being taken and everything and, and masks and all this other crap and. So anyway, yeah, sorry. That's I just wanted to go ahead, Keisha. Yeah, um, I think to put it on another level as well. Keisha, your that, manners are extraordinary. Just start talking. <laughs> so <laughs> so nice. <laughs> I know okay. we're just a bunch of Neanderthals, so I really appreciate that. But you can just rip it whenever you want, Keisha. Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, what I I was going to take it to another level and actually um infer that uh what they've done with the COVID and conspiracy theories that a lot of people actually do believe that this is going on, but because they've created so many different various addictions that people can engage themselves in, it prevents them from actually doing something about it. And a prime example of it, I mean, if we go to the extreme, maybe you're obsessed with McDonald's or food and you're out of shape, you're unhealthy, you can barely help yourself. You see everything going on in the world. You're overwhelmed because you're like, well, I can't even help myself. How am I going to help those people? And you're just in this constant loop of um, fear and and stress and overwhelm because you have no solution for yourself either. And you're like, well, we're all going to die. Or on the flip side, you're somebody who enjoys the benefit of the suffering of the children, like, you know, supporting 
the clothing lines or the the makeup brands or you know the perfumes or shoes or whatever the case may be and you tell yourself oh well it's okay it's you know it's happening everywhere it's in China America and that's just the way they their culture absolutely not they've they've forced it though on absolutely every aspect of society which makes it very hard i think for people to separate themselves because we're not as much individualized as we were before where we had our own farms and we were trade like you have wheat and i have corn let's trade it's like it's in every aspect of life i mean the banks are doing it the clothing stores are doing it chick-fil-a's doing it so it's like uh it becomes kind of overwhelming like shoot well how do we fix it it seems like one you're just one man can't do it might as well just keep paying into it but no it's not really the solution but that's just you know me going off on my tangent well i call that the platform keisha you know when everything is sort of aligned with one another like you see that you know a business is saying well you have to wear a mask and the government is saying you have to wear a mask. Your bank is forcing you. Chris Grace and I talked about that. I got to interview a woman early on in this show that was fighting the bank that her rather great or great great grandfather helped found. They were going to cancel her account in the Bank of Hawaii because she refused to wear a mask inside the branch. So she canceled her own account. She walked with her. She canceled that bank, that bank account. Walked with her money and went to another bank. And just like, but after a while with the platform though. Like if everybody's on the same platform, where do you go to? Like if all the banks are enforcing it, if everywhere that you go in public is enforcing something and making it law, it, it's like I was saying in the monologue, it doesn't matter how wrong it is. It doesn't matter how against it we truly are. That if everybody just accepts it, then, then that becomes the, the law of the land. And that's how things sort of work now. And it doesn't have to be judicial. Like there's nothing that ever has to be passed. There's no gavel that ever you know gets gets banged. You know that that declares something is so. It's just that if you know the the establishment wants something to be a certain way, that they can just simply force us all into accepting it as a certain thing. But um, yeah, Chris, as um, as we were talking earlier, though, I just wanted to make that correction. Yes, that uh, it wasn't Anthony Jeselnik that I was uh, talking about with Comedy Central. It was actually a guy named Jim Jeffries. I get yeah, my dirty comedians mixed up sometimes. But uh, yeah, it was it was him doing some deceptive editing with Avi Yemeni, and I believe there was something else with uh, uh, he goes by your boy Zach, who's a, a comic artist too. There was some some interviews that were done there to try and paint people in a in a bad light. But that's just part of, again, that's just part of what we were talking about. Him out. Part yep. of the platform, you know, which is yep. like people like this, you know, the people that are supposed to be, you know, uh, sort of challenging. You know, society like stand-up comedians. Like, how many stand-up comedians have that we talked about? You know, George Carlin and Norm Macdonald and all these great stand-up comedians. Well, what if they had sold out to the establishment, like Stephen Colbert and and oh, and yeah, you know, and 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 crumb and crumbs like uh, a, a ABC's bear uh, <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. You know, form formerly of a man show, uh, formerly man uh, himself. Um, man. But it says, you know, this article after exposing Comedy Central's Jim Jeffries, deceptive editing, Jewish activist, uh, Avi Yemeni. Yes, he's an Australian, uh, also Israeli uh, person here that does on the ground reporting. Avi Yemeni was in Taiwan during protests. Um, he is he has fought COVID in Australia, uh, been arrested. I don't even know how many times. But yeah, Comedy Central tried to basically set him up by uh 
uh, doing some deceptive editing using a hidden camera while Jeffries interviewed him for a segment, it says. Um, and then it, this was all surrounding, of course, another traumatic event that they used to uh, uh, collect information, folks. Uh, if, for those of you that aren't familiar with the Christchurch shooting, yeah. um, when, that, when that occurred, any footage, any person that was sharing footage, yes, yep. it was deemed illegal to have the information about it. So they could pass laws. They can they could do gun confisca- confiscations. They they can do mass sweeping, you know, types of new platforms um, inter- introduced by the government. But you're not allowed to even see why. That was like I mean, one that of the had, most that had questionable things about it too. Oh, and they went after Gab, you know, for yep. because this uh, apparently the the shooter had a Gab account. He also had a Facebook and a Twitter account, but they didn't, you know. That's fine. <laughs> he was live streaming the whole thing, and whether it was real or not, I don't know. It was horrible. So anyone out there, I tell you, real or not, some things you can't unsee. So I suggest, even if it's not illegal where you are, don't search it out. Yeah, I mean, that's all I can say about that because I've seen some things on the internet by accident. Actually, I think I even told Six about this once. Yeah. I had to do. I'm not even going to describe any of any part of it. it. Was one of the worst things I've ever, ever seen, and it took me a good six months to get over it. Uh, some things they will take a part of your soul. So, uh, yeah, just be careful what you see on the internet. You know, I'm not even talking about dark web. I'm talking about the existing web that we have access to. Sometimes it can be psychologically Twitter. damaging. Oh, and Twitter, yeah, and they like showing yeah. footage of people getting shot all the time now. That that does that does psychological stuff. To I'm telling you. Well, they try memory. It does I mean every day? Yeah, every day on Twitter, I feel like I see another a video of a child being mutilated and like multiple snippets of it, and I'm just like, why yeah. do I need to see? Why do I? Why do we need to? Or when they post the pictures um, throughout history of children in um, or just in general right now, children being trafficked, and yeah. they're nude or in, inappropriate and i'm just like could you at least block the faces or the bodies so that you can give right. some respect to that person and they purposefully feed you that stuff that's the yes. thing about it. exactly it's strange to me because i'm like are you not doing the same thing as the pedophiles like are you not technically you not, uh, pornography right yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just like why are you not trying to censor it and if it was me in those photos yeah. i would want to be censored at least so like for some respect of myself and my family and my own autonomy like it's bad enough that they went through that trash and now you're just promoting it and like i get people want people to have a shock factor but you can still have some respect people sued twitter over that and twitter had fought back against them saying that they had the right that they had the rights to to show that that yeah we're shadow banned for an opinion go figure (laughs) Yeah, Twitter actually fought him back in court saying that they had the right to show that that material. That when the person engaged in the material and then it was commercialized, that Twitter had every right to to share it and profit from it. That was their argument. They, they have no that. they have They'll no morals that, or scruples whatsoever. Yeah. Right. Is that after Elon took over or before? It was um it was before, but um, you know, the the thing about the um the Elon takeover whenever it came to like the the child um endangerment or any type of child exploitation, like that that department 
of of uh, Twitter was heavily influenced by a person called Eliza Blue, who it's turned out to maybe be uh, some sort of fake or op or whatever you know type yes. of person too, claiming that she was sexually attra- sexually trafficked. But it was only one time; it was voluntary and it was for money, and she enjoyed it. So that yeah, that was her that was her words. I'm paraphrasing, but you know, it's just like we we covered that. So when you have that type of influence there, and then you have people like Vijay Gotti in charge, um, it, that that they basically they were game planning to how to overlook that stuff, how how to not be responsible for it. Um, meanwhile, you know, when uh, it comes to standards and practices, like Grave said, like they were coming after people like us. And I I just want well, to make one, I, I just want I just I want to make one thing clear: the things mm-hmm. that I was talking about that you can't unsee. I I'm not talking about child stuff with children or anything i'm talking about stuff that's on the internet that's flat out murder yeah that's yeah. what i was talking about that's the stuff the child child stuff anything with children it, that is psychologically damaging to everyone involved as well but what i'm saying is uh, the other hor- really horrible stuff like yeah. like the christchurch shooting things like there's questions about it about weird stuff about it but i'm saying what is shown in that live stream footage is horrible enough whether it's real or not i'm just saying if you if you you got a curiosity factor like you know teen boys usually we we grew up six right with the stuff like faces of death oh yeah they were you know stuff like that where it was supposed to be deaths caught on film you know not like on on purpose, you know, those would be snuff films, which the FBI claims does don't exist, which I think is a crock of shit. I'm talking about just don't go searching for horrible shit because you will find it. I just want yes. to bring that up. That's all. I I think that yeah, you're definitely right. Don't go searching for anything. I I try to be very careful about even the way I type things in because I yes. think there's yeah. so much garbage that is tagged and just normalized stuff now but kids even, kids can see uh, exactly this and even just my, people getting hit by cars and stuff is psychologically damaging even like even to a grown man like me i'm telling you i don't yeah. want to see it but now twitter or yahoo news yeah or google they'll show this stuff on regular yeah. mainstream news now and that's, that's what i was trying to that's what i was really getting at it's like i can just scroll through my feed and sometimes on Twitter and just see something so disgusting. I mean, I came across Eliza blue as well and saw a video of her saying that it it's normal um, and okay. If the community and the parents agree with it, that a child have a sexual relationship with adult, as long as there's no force manipulation, coercion or um, something else. And I was like, how can that happen without any of those four things you listed? And they won't take those videos down which it, even though someone like that is supposed to be an advocate, but anyways, this is my point. You can go through harmlessly on Twitter feed and see garbage like that. And I'm at the point where I feel like I should just post what I need to post and then leave. Yeah. And it sucks because you do also connect with good people on there. So it's, right. you, it's a catch 22. You got to risk seeing garbage just to find a, small piece of gold potentially it's a double-edged sword right is that the word the phrase i'm trying to think of yeah. like yes that's yeah that's what it is yeah yeah but it's meant or it's a- meant to do that it's meant to isolate you in, in a sense too because like uh, i know Keisha, since with with the, your story and background which you know I'll, I'll pull up those those photos that i found 
I mean, when you talk about things like child trafficking and things, once once you start searching for those things, the the system is sort of governed in a way where it's supposed to give you more of that thing. It's supposed to just feed yep. you, you know, more and more of that thing. If that's what you like, you know, if you like vanilla ice cream, guess what? You're going to get 30 more gallons of vanilla ice cream every day. Like it just, it's going to yeah. continuously pump that into you. It doesn't matter what it does to you eventually. Like the ice cream could eventually give you type 13 diabetes and your legs can fall off, but it'll keep feeding that to you. It has no moral compass. It has no moral guidance to it. At least one that we would align with in, in, in our culture. Yep. Look but, at this. One of the officers doesn't even have a mask. Yeah, on. this is this is yeah. just the first of the photos. I mean, these these photos here really disturbing. This is you being dragged to the ground outside of what a courthouse after you went there with yeah, your father. Yeah, right in front of the courthouse. Yeah, they and then the court right claimed that car. you didn't show up for whatever reason. They didn't. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't say like, oh, well, they missed. They missed this hearing because uh, we arrested they didn't them. Even, they're just like, oh, they didn't let me take my backpack off, and then the guy dragged me. From the other side of the truck into the truck by it my, like my you were backpack. Cut. It looks like you were cut in the first picture. Oh, thrown on the well, ground. They did. I did get cut um, uh, the, right before. This. I lost. I lost right feeling in my entire left forearm and Ugh. wrist and hand for many months after this because they just when I when we went in the car and went to the other place right they there. tightened even more. There is no reason. Uh, no reason for any of this yeah i when i got to the facility they didn't care about any of my cuts or bruises or blood they just kept asking me if i wanted to get my vitals taken for covid and speak on a panel with like police officers um psychiatric evaluations and doctors and i was like no i'm good by god's grace thanks i'm just gonna continue I know, can i uh, have some antiseptic for my cut please <laughs> like can i at least come on <laughs> well they didn't give me undergarments so they weren't gonna care about a band-aid uh, <laughs> or right. like alcohol or anything like, said just... by facial expression look at the expression on this one officer's face though not wearing yeah, a mask that, looking i at used another to go man. to the same gym as us yeah Ugh, really i wonder what was going through <laughs> like, his mind i wonder if he's thinking like did i sign up for this shit is this really really <laughs> this is this really what you know I put my life on the line for is this why I go through, you know, doors where people can shoot at me? Is this is this why I reach into pockets really of people that could have fentanyl and, and, and needles in them? You know, is this why I do this to arrest this man? Out outdoors nonetheless. You know, they're outside and that guy masks aren't necessary. That that guy in the previous photo before this one six punches my dad in the video right there. This guy, oh. Andrew, I think his name is. He punches my dad after putting it because this guy right here, I guess the super master, the, the one his, right, no, the one right beside the woman with the, this guy hair. right here. No, that no, guy, guy, he yeah, sucks. But the, the guy who's actually, beside my the guy's dad, actually holding. Yeah. Also. Yeah. He punches my dad um, to try and get him into the, the so car. That's a, on so that's camera. A part of the protocol, huh? For the arresting protocol. Oh, oh yeah. And in, in Canada, yeah. the RCMP are ruthless scumbag some of them some of them because obviously not every single rcmp officer is a bad right. person not right. every government official is you know a satan worshiper or against the people right. some of them are still good but these lot here man a lot of the ones that are doing this stuff they will rape people they will beat them they will gang stalk them they will they will make sure other people gang rape them in order to so prevent saying, them from so you're saying um, protect and serve right 
oh, this is, yeah, this is how yeah. they protect and serve themselves. Right. Um, I know so many women, aside from our situation, where, and in, our, in Canada, you have to report to the very RCMP officer that abused you if they abused you. Like, oh, you have oh. to go, because if they do it, then it's in their district, and we can only report in our district. This guy here, he was in the court, like he's a sheriff of the court, and he said on camera that the judge actually asked him to come out and assist in the arrest. And then they went in, and the judge then gave over everything from the corporation and the house and the full custody of the child over to my dad's ex-wife, all on a first appearance. And they know that he was arrested because they asked him to be arrested. And then they just put that he didn't show up and I didn't show up. So I was like, well, that's interesting. Funny how that works. Yeah, you have footage here of you not only showing up, but now being brutalized here. Yeah. Yeah. And then the facility they took me to, they tried, well, they tortured me to try and extract information about the corporation and the court hearing that we were going to have despite the fact that there was already torture complaints and criminal negligence complaints opened against them. And that's the bed that they strapped my dad to and drugged him against his will for three weeks and claimed religious and persecutory delusions. They took two needles. I've never, I've worked in hospitals. My grandma's been a nurse for my whole life and her whole life, I guess. (laughs) And my great grandma as well. I worked in a psychiatric uh, facility for the criminally insane on one end, mentally insane on the other. It was a state facility as far as you guys are concerned, I'm pretty sure. And they strapped him to this bed, took two liquid needles, whatever was in it, and drugged him on either arm. The RCMP held him down while the the, um, nurses injected him, and they couldn't tell him what was in it. And he was, like, out of his mind, losing control of his bowels and everything. He was like, what's going on? could was slurring his speech and stuff and my grandma came and she took photos of this bed full savage god bless my grandma yeah absolutely (laughs) she she was out here exposing from everything and started praying with my dad and then they told him that he had like pretty much the same thing again religious and persecutory delusions so they took him and strapped him and drugged him again they continued that for three weeks um so you know this is this is Canada, man. Chinada. Well, and shout out to uh, your dad, Dale, uh, for doing this and putting this together on Substack. I see he's joined us in the Rumble chat. What's up, Dale? Um, and I, I just I, I wanted to share that with hey, everybody. I'm sorry that you, you guys went through that. I know I'm Johnny come lately with a lot of this, but it, it, it's just uh, very shocking. It's, it's, it's shocking, but it's not just the state of the world that we're in at the moment. That's a sad thing to say, too. Well, you know, I'm glad that I at least had my dad in this situation because um, I was separated from my spouse in this situation. And uh, we were trying to reconcile whatever or, you know, as Christians usually try to do, despite how terrible circumstances can be. But um, he ended up changing his phone number when this happened and like just completely abandoning me and then started selling information about me to the people who were trying to kill my dad and I. So, you know, I, I know there are a lot of people in this situation who literally just have their spouse. And I think my dad and I are quite lucky to have at least each other and his mother, my grandmother, um, because the situation would have been hell otherwise. I think 
so many families have been destroyed in in uh in this evil that's been going on in the world not like the situation wasn't already bad i mean the guy right. was savagely beating me and put me in the hospital but yeah um it's just it's nice at least that i have my dad it just makes imagine all the people difference. that we don't know about exactly and yeah. i don't think they make it out on the other end it's right. it's very difficult even me being here in america by myself if i didn't have like my dad to talk to yeah man i don't know I don't know. I don't know. You have more strength than I, I'll ever have. I'll tell you that right now. Well, and I feel like they're trying to scrub information like this from the end. It's good that we have, you know, avenues like Substack to go to because I feel like, you know, more and more the major outlets are trying to scrub information. A uh, case in point, moving on to our J6 update for this week, our friend Gary McBride has been uh, a busy man as of late. And uh, not only going on several different shows and everything, but he also tried to release some information um, regarding uh, Eugene Goodman, who's a uh, police officer that uh, led the chase up the stairs. Uh, this is information that um, uh, we were preparing for a, a segment or actually a, a episode of a new type of thing we're working on called a DocuCast. And uh, Gary you know, talked about some of the raw footage here and everything on YouTube, but when you go and click on this, let's see if it works now. Nope, this video has been removed for violating YouTube's terms of service. And I'm sure it doesn't say what term of service. I know our friends uh, in Knights of the Storm were having some YouTube issues this past week. Our friend Chuck ocelli has been banned off of YouTube after having that account for years. Um, we were banned off of YouTube um, it, months after we stopped posting there altogether. Um, and never got any valid excuse or reason for why we were. Um, this is just the continuous treatment from the establishment when you try and post, you know, any anything that's that's going to be um, leaning towards the the opposite side of whatever side that they're taking. And it doesn't matter if it's left or right, folks. Is that if you're posting information that's contrary to the establishment's talking points, this is the type of treatment that you're going to receive. And if they yep. can't do it to you here digitally, again, they'll go back and do it to you this way. They'll do it to you physically. So we have to oppose this in every way and man, manner and, mean, and means in our society, um, nonviolently, of course, but we have to oppose this. And uh, I wanted to point out, too, for this uh, J6 update, you still can't find that video um, on Rumble. So we are... We oh, are they, they scrubbed it there, too, huh? Well, you can, yeah, you can, you can still find it on Rumble. Oh, so, you can, yeah, okay, yeah, right. yeah. So we are, we're lucky for now that we we have platforms that will have us um, that we can, you know, talk about this type of information. We can have these types of conversations. We can do these types of shows each week. Um, but I always tell people though that that window is closing. You know, that, that there's there's only so much that I can do. You know, with a website like Rumble that I don't know. You know, I have I have no. Um, part in their operations. I have I have no real skin in the game when it comes to them. I'm not an investor or anything. I don't. I'm not a board member. I can't make things happen with Rumble. But if there was another network, Chris Graves, that maybe you know our friends and you know us could get together on, I think maybe we can make a little bit of an impact there. I'm just I think saying. I'm taking the hint, but uh, yeah. I got a few. 
few ideas. <laughs> yeah. So be be on the look, folks. Uh, if you're out there oh, and you're worried about the yeah. uh, and you're worried yeah. about the window closing, you're worried. You know, you're, you're looking for some place that isn't um, you know oper- owned and operated by people that function on Wall Street, which Rubble does. You know, full disclosure. Um, really? You know, they, they are behold they, they are beholden to certain people, and if those certain people are going to lose money because people like us are talking. Well, maybe they might want to shut us up eventually, you know, but, um, you know, when it comes down to independent media, you know, the true alt to the alt, as, as, uh, our friends are saying, um, there, there might be something on the horizon that might be a better solution than relying on platforms like YouTube or Facebook or even alternatives to that, like rumble and odyssey, which we're on now, you know, happily, but you know, that, that could change at any moment. It's just, it's up to the whims of whomever is running these operations and who eventually takes over them too. Like it start out, I mean, Graves, I'm sure you've seen plenty of platforms that start out just fine and then they get bought up or taken over and then everything flips. I mean, look at what happened to uh, Matt Drudge's website in the past 10, 10 years or so. Yeah, yeah the, the Drudge Report. I'll do you one even better with video. Google Google Video used, was one of the first to have loose change on Yeah, and they got bought up by YouTube. Yeah, so I mean, we enjoy we enjoy what we have here uh, for as long as it lasts. But you know, the the real um, way to sort of overcome a lot of this, and I believe, and it's something even Matt Drudge himself talked about, is getting out of the what he called the digital ghettos. You know, having your own website. You know, so I'll, we're we're looking to do more independent media, truly independent media, away from all of these major platforms, and have our own website and have our own place where people can gather. And where our community can gather. So no matter what the establishment tries to do to us, it's like at least we have our own spot. And you know, no matter what kind of spot it is. So, but um, now moving on, I also uh, wanted to bring up the first of the big four this week. Um, this is uh, from the Daily Mail. This is revealed: Woke Silicon Valley Bank has donated over seventy-three million dollars to Black Lives Matter-related social justice groups before it collapsed. Now this is and it says while failed signature bank gave eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Now the bullet points here say that donations were used to fund further organizations and a political action committee to elect woke leaders. The revelation comes after the banks were derided for being too woke and not focused enough on red flags at their companies. Now here in the article it says woke Silicon Valley Bank donated over seventy-three million dollars to Black Lives Matter related social justice groups in the years before collapse, while failed signature bank gave 850,000 has been revealed. A database by the conservative Claremont Institute shows that SVB donated around $73,450,000 to the movement and other social justice causes. Want to talk about the platform? This is what it is. If you want to function under ESG, which is environmental, social, and governmental, like you're going to have certain regulations placed upon you that aren't from the people or their representatives. It's going to be from the people that are running this racket. And if you want to exist in the banking world, if you want to exist in the business world, you want to be a big shining star and have, have your place. It doesn't matter if it's your YouTube or your, your bank, or if it's, um, you know, if you're selling shoes like Adidas, boy, you better be on with the ESG score stuff, buddy, or else you're going to get kicked out. And maybe, eventually, your CBDC ain't going to work. And we've been talking about that. But here's, um, here's that database, by the way. I did click on that and made sure to attach that to this week's source list, too. 
um, disconnected from the server. Let's say reload it. There we go. So what's nice about this little database is, is that you can search for different industries, um, different companies, uh, what I'm saying. And this is the total BLM movement and related causes, it says. That's a lot of money. $82 billion. Am I reading that correct? Do I have, do I have my commas in the right place here, Craze? I'm not the yeah. math guy here, but I'm thinking $82 yep. billion, dollars, yeah. almost 83. I came up with the same conclusion, unfortunately. I mean, if you go down too, like, look at, look at this list. These are people that are all signed up on the platform. So if you want to know if the company that you're buying something for, or, you know, or from any type of service that you're looking to sign up for 23 and me, this, this is, this is genetics. This is, you know, this is, um, ancestry. This is history itself. These people are, are, are donating to that, uh, 3M. Who, where have we heard of them before? Oh, well, they're the ones that are, that were behind the masking. You know, they, they stood a tremendous, tremendous amount of, yeah. uh, you know, of profit from the laws that were, that weren't laws that were forced upon them. with the toilet paper people. Yep. Uh, Abbott Laboratories. What do they do? Oh, pharmaceuticals. Uh, AbbVie. Academa. Accenture, Activation Blizzard, they make video games. Video games, folks. $3 million to, to propagandize you on video games about black causes or Black Lives Matter, supposedly. Propaganda. $3 million. This is their payment. This is just like in the mafia, Chris. Like this is, this is their, their payment, you know, this for the protection. That, that they get their ESG points so they can continue trading with the other members of the racket. Right. And yes. Adidas, $120 million. What could that have done? Like if Adidas really wanted to uh, make an impact in the black community, instead of having black folks, you know, lining up and fighting each other for their, their sneakers or something like that, right? Couldn't they have like clothed millions of homeless people couldn't they have taken the Literally. extra shoes they had in their back stock you know all the clearance stuff you know that they were going to give out for 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 little to nothing and make no There's profit billions on. to ukraine yeah. could have done wonders too yeah. yeah that's exactly my frustration when i saw all these numbers i kept thinking to myself instead of giving them to this corporation that's doing god knows what with it either laundering or money or trafficking kids who knows uh, why would you not just, if you're so concerned with these Black Lives Mattering and bettering the communities and the injustices in America and the differences between these quote-unquote communities, why would you not just go into those communities with those resources and give them to them or create rehabilitation kind of sites of resources for them with all this money? All the money that was put into this Black Lives Matters movement, 82 billion, like could have solved absolutely every problem they complain about. Well, for the most part, the like the, for the most part, they it could have repaired so the cities things. after the riots too. the billions of dollars that yeah. happened in damages after the riots. Like if these companies yeah. that, that spurred hey, all this with propaganda, which, six, what's that? Look at the latest link. All right. Oh, look at the latest link I just put in there. 
Well, let me let me pull up all three of these. But let me pull up the latest one. The latest one from Reuters. Yeah. So this is Biden staff donate to group that pays bail in riot torn Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Yes, that's right. Uh, Now I have heard of this before, but this is um, from May 30th of 2020 from Washington. Campaign staff for Democratic presidential. Uh, candidate Joe Biden at the time, um, and also um, I believe members of um, Kamala Harris's team. You know, yeah, that was later on. Too. I'm looking for those articles right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, are advertising their donations to a group that pays bail fees in Minneapolis. Minneapolis. I don't know why I want to keep saying it. Minneapolis, after the city's police jailed people protesting the killing of a black man by a white. Yeah, J Sixers that didn't even go in the Capitol are still sitting there rotting. <laughs> and I love how they can get away with that too. Uh, this is what they were protesting. How simple, stupid is that? You know, when something becomes so simple that it's dumb, that just like by, by that, by that description alone, that that's why they were doing it. Cause it was a black man killed by a white police officer, that that's the reason that if they, if they can trigger people enough where something that simple can happen. And they're going to burn down cities. No, there was a lot more to that story. There's a lot more, lot more yes, complex issues lying. at play there, um, including fentanyl and other things, fake money, um, uh, poli- uh, police corruption, uh, money laundering, all Brick shortages. Right. Well, oh, yeah. if, like I was looking through. Um, sorry, guys. I was looking through the contributors. One of the main contributors to the money for the BLM in Canada is one of the main countries distributors for money to them on the list somewhere there and um we have a blm in canada as well it's called blm canada literally but looking what they did to my dad you would think if and myself you'd think that if they really did care about black lives or minorities like indigenous people or native american sorry people and black people that they would have done something about it and they would have been outraged or, you know, at least given it news coverage, but it shows that it's only a certain type of story or narrative or something that they want to push because they're not, there's so many black people who are affected and attacked and white people and Asian, whoever else, whatever. But if you're focusing on black people and and just for the sake of it, for conversation, I guess, in this context, there's so many black people who are suffering each and every day and they refuse to help them. And, you know, it's confusing to me because it seems like a lot of the people that do get help are the ones like George Floyd's situation. And, you know, I, I can't understand why it's not help all or help none at all. Like, I, I just don't get it. Well, and it even goes with like the, the stereotype too. You know, it goes with the stereotype that the, the, the black man is, you know, in, in these certain social situations surrounded by hard drugs, by crime, in and out of the system. And I even saw that this past week with uh, an interesting social experiment I watched. A friend uh, sent it to me. It was from YouTube, where they gathered a group of people, most of which were black or mixed race. And they had one white guy in the group, and they were all blindfolded. And they took turns, you know, going around uh, the group and describing themselves and their backgrounds and everything like that. And the white guy described his life. He never claimed that he was black when he described himself, but he described his life and growing up in South Central, which is a really rough part of, uh, you know, California. 
And uh, with his accent and everything from growing up in that area, they kicked out all the other educated and mixed race people <laughs> and kept him as the real black person. And it was revealed that, that most of the black people there had college educations. They used like the, the, the people of color, like type of uh, initialisms and, and things of that nature. They knew all the lingo. They knew about microaggressions and all these other things. Well, it turned out that they kept, they kept the guy that was the most stereotypical as being black. That just shows you the, the, the level of the, the psychology where this reaches, right? That it's just like, if you are this certain thing, you're supposed to have all of these characteristics and traits. And it's it not you know, not just unfair, but like you said, Keisha, it's it's damn near it's evil. It's evil to do that to somebody, you know, to paint to just paint them into a corner like that, where they they have to have these certain characteristics, or else they don't hold the authenticity. That's the other thing that comes from Marxism. It comes from the teachings of Saul Alinsky and people like that. That would if you if you don't have a solid argument, folks, and you wanted to take somebody down a peg, go after their authenticity. Like if Chris tries to tell me that, you know, maybe Ride the Lightning is the best metal album ever and yeah, I don't have a good argument against that, I could just undermine him by saying public. that he's never listened he's he doesn't listen to enough metal. Or that, you know, he wasn't born in the right year. Or he can't say that because he wasn't, wasn't. at those shows. You know, and stuff like been that. Born twenty years before. Yeah, you you try and undermine his authenticity that for some reason that his his opinion doesn't matter or something like that. And they do that to people all the time. And especially, and I, I feel the worst for the minority communities because it, it takes away all traction that, that anybody would have in order to rectify any type of situation because you end up arguing about something that isn't real. You spend most of the time trying to affirm something you know, that you shouldn't have to affirm. It's like someone challenging that you don't love your father. You know? and, and how do you prove that? You know, oh yeah, it's just, thank you guys. But like, how do you prove something like that? You know, how do you prove a negative and, and other other different situations? It's just it's it's very similar to what um, has been called a Kafka trap. You know, it's like Bart Simpson, damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Like anything anything that you say, that they'll just reverse it and challenge you with it. There's no logic involved in it. There's no exploration of that. There's no conversation like this, like we're having to try and seek the truth. Yeah. Yeah, whether they assert it or they attack you personally. And I'm sure you've seen that, Keisha. Yeah, it's um honestly it's confusing to me, like growing up every time sorry, every time I say like, I end up I I glitch a little bit because there was this girl on Twitter who said they showed a video, she said like 47 times within like one minute. She was telling the crazy truth. Keisha. I blame <laughs> Tiny Toons. Like, stop it. Please stop it. <laughs> the sad part is she was telling the truth. She just didn't know how to articulate it correctly. But anyhow, um, uh, modern day uh, society and women and uh, internet. But um, growing up, I personally never really felt the way that I guess a lot of people do regarding this subject. I am biracial. So my father is um, West Indian, so black. And um, my mother is European and Native American. So a lot of people would tell me, well, you're just whatever your skin color is. You're black. Well, I said, well, my skin color isn't that either, actually. Um, <laughs> and quite frankly, a lot of people actually call me yellow or high color brown, but it didn't matter to me. I was like, well, I, I need to love myself. You're like, I'm a human being, damn it. 
Exactly. (laughs) I am a human being and I need to love myself the way I am. And how dare I ever say that um, I'm only one half of my creation. I'm, I'm of my mother and my father, and regardless of their background or their character, who they are in this moment, if they're good or bad. And, you know, um, they've done so many great things. But regardless of however anyone feels personally, if you hate yourself, how is that going to help you moving forward? So I always told people, especially uh, anybody, well, people of color, anyone who had an issue with another, like, you're not going to help yourself. And if you want to have children who's with someone who's of the opposite race, you can't force them to be absorbed into you. That's not how it works when you come together as a union or when you have a kid, because genetics are the role of a dice. And one kid might come out looking more like the mom or the dad. No, but it traumatizes people to think that I must hate one aspect of myself. And so I do understand a little bit how a lot of these white people feel with the white guilt per se, because even though I don't share the same skin tone, um, a lot of growing up, a lot of different races of people would make me think or try to make me think, oh, well, you shouldn't appreciate the fact that you're European. Those people are colonizers, blah, blah. I was like, do you forget in the Bible that slavery began in Egypt or in Babylon? Do you forget where that is? That's in Africa. That It's all over the world. Evil is everywhere, no matter who you are or what creed or religion or race you come from. This is just a way to divide everybody. My dad always taught me to love everyone equally. Everyone deserves the grace of God, and I don't deserve it any more than anyone else. In fact, I probably deserve it a lot less than most people. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's this grace that God gives us. So, quite frankly, everything that we do in like these sub social groups like BLM just makes me upset because I'm like, all you're doing is further isolating these groups. And like um, six said, creating this kind of ideal ideology or ideas surrounding that group of people in a negative way that, you know, doesn't actually help them help themselves or help the problem. And yeah, there are different levels of that because you can blame certain systems in place, but those systems were in place to abuse everybody. They just took their pick at which group was going to get it the most until they decided to give it to everybody. I mean, what they're doing to the general population now, they started with, I guess, the Native Americans and then the Japanese and the Black community. And, you know, they've now rolled it around to the general population, which is pretty much the white people of America. It, it's been happening the whole time, though. So the people's Divide prejudice. Exactly. Well, and that's what's what's been labeled as educated. That's what, like, now if you want to show everybody how pious you are, you know, to borrow a term for religion, because it's very much like that, right? And I think that what happens too is that um, there is, and we we talked about it a little bit when we were talking to Dr. Andrew, it's thesis, antithesis, synthesis. You know, that, that in order to get people to sign on to a new way of thinking, that they have to present something that's the opposite of the old way. They have to point out flaws and contradictions in the old way to kind of tear it down. It's also called deconstructionism, you know. You, so you point out the, the 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 something like, well, you know, they don't have instant replay in you know this particular sport like a baseball, right? So then you start to point out all the different flaws that happen when you you have a human uh, referee involved, you know that that the referee's eyes don't see everything, their calls, you know, the umpire. If you you know in in baseball here, 
Um, if, if the empire umpire keeps missing, you know the the strikes and the balls, he keeps calling them wrong. You know that people start to call for some sort of change. So, that, but then what you can do is you can start to point out, you know, one or two bad calls here and there, but you can sort of hype them up. You look at patterns too, because they could be on the take. That's me being conspiracy guy. <laughs> well, yeah, with sports, yeah, that might be that might be something we can jump into uh, in future uh, episodes as well, because I feel that you know, bread and circuses is has a lot to do with this. But um, well, it's like the police body camera; it should be used to protect the person being arrested, but also, uh, you know, also the police officer, because not all cops are bad. Just like not all, uh, you know. People like Keisha that are being arrested are, are bad either. So that should be not, you know, in my opinion, there shouldn't be a way to turn those things on or off like the body cameras. It's there to protect both. Well, and you can yeah, take that argument, see. Chris, though, by finding ways that which those things are exploited. And if you wanted to continue it in an evil way, you would say then that everybody has to wear a body camera. And it should be turned on at all Ooh, times for your safety. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's that what I'm getting at. Right. When you when you when right. you're trying to set up antithesis, when you're trying to set up the opposite of something, again, you you take the you you, you take it down a peg by pointing out its its failures, uh, but then you exploit that. This is what results in the synthesis: is that the exploitation of people when they when they're shown that yes, there is racism out there, there was redlining, there are bad cops, you know, that will be people because they are black and will say so but then you 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 put that all on the entire police force right you blanket the entire police force with that type of thinking and then all of a sudden you can turn an entire race and population of people against the police force you can opt for things like defunding the police you can even start up charities that that funnel money to act blue during the last election you know the 2020 general election um which is what blm funneled that money through People that oh, were yeah, and the last two links are have, have to do with that too. Absolutely. Actually, now absolutely. You say that. Um now this is uh you you uh, mentioned this, Chris, so I'm gonna put this on the Oh yeah, that was for later too. on. That was Sorry. for later on. We'll get back to that one. Um and this is talking about uh the SVB uh B collapse too. This also is later. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no problem. No problem. I just wanted to make sure we got all these on. We talked about that one. I'm gonna make sure I bookmark that. So folks, um we are on Substack under number six. Uh, so if you go on there and subscribe for free, you can get all this stuff on our source list each and every week, all these articles, any videos and other things that we attach here. Um, and this is from Bureau of Land Management. It says uh, uh, President Biden's proposed 1.6 billion fiscal year 2023 BLM budget provides robust investments to fight climate change too. <laughs> yeah, so you point out that the climate changes. So what, what do you do? Well, then you organize Wouldn't people. Wouldn't that be all lives matter? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, but it, you have to focus on how it affects black folks though, because then, then you have to put forth the stereotype that black folks are in, incapable of doing anything about this because they don't have a place in the system, but it's the system right. that's telling them that and taking money in order to affect, you know, climate change, supposedly. <laughs> I actually did see something about that the other day. Um, it was uh, saying that white people's existence in general in California, their breathing, in, just them existing and breathing is harmful to black lives um, and making the air toxic for them to breathe. It was a real news source, by the way. This was not some off-brand oh, yeah. 
um, you know, conspiracy website, or, you know, I can't even say that, you know what I mean? What <laughs> this off-brand weird website, it was a legitimate news source. Like, and I was confused. I was, I was like, there's no way they're actually causing people to believe stuff like this. But when you see a bunch of, well, now it's, you know, now it's Keisha, now it's hiding in plain sight with the mainstream sources. Yeah. Well, and also slavery that, that's often talked about in these in, in these discussions, right? Slavery is an all-time high. There is more slavery around the earth now than there's ever been before. <laughs> ever. Yes. You know, it's it's gone on because of our regime change wars. Like if you there's a, a, a live slave trade over in Libya as we speak. Men, women, children, doesn't matter. And, and, and again, you know, pointing that, pointing that out, say if I wanted to exploit this as the antithesis, then that um, say that if I'm part of the military industrial complex, well, we just didn't get the job done enough. I'd say, you know, over in Libya, you know, after we, after we removed Gaddafi, cause he was certainly ba a bad guy, even though like we propped him up and put him in place there um, that, you know, since he was such a bad guy and we removed him and then now it's a failed state and there's slavery over there. Well, now we have the, we have the duty as international citizens uh, to go over there and bomb more people. We need billions, if not trillions of more dollars to go over and rebuild a society that we helped collapse. That's how the antithesis synthesis part of it really works is that you point out the failures, but then you assert your own solutions for it. Problem, reaction, solution, right? That's the, the Hegelian dialectic of it. You know, it's a classic false flag scenario. Oh, of course. Yeah. It's a constant pattern. I tell people all the time to also watch these patterns throughout history because even looking at Canada, when the English and the French came over, they were supposed to equally share the country and be bilingual and amongst very many other things. But, you know, that's a big concern for them. And they got screwed over. And I always tell people, well, if you watch how they worked together to screw over the Native Americans, and after that was done, then they screwed over each other. Did you really think that it wouldn't eventually come to the people? Like how we have Alberta, kind of, I guess, like Texas, who wants to separate and be its own country or whatever now, and Quebec. It's like, did you not see this coming from day one? A government that would was built on a foundation of treachery and lies wouldn't do that eventually to its own people. Like you guys said, it's just patterns. Well, and and if you and shout out to uh, your dad Dale in the chat here who mentioned that they are trying to turn ninety percent of the world's population into slaves right now, and the way that you do that is through economic disenfranchisement. Like a way that you can turn, you can put us all on the same level today if you wanted to, wipe out the petrodollar, wipe out the American dollar and replace it with CBDC. Because if you're looking at the collapse of this bank, um, it's it's talking about, it says it's un, uh, unclear how the donations will move on though. But if you look at um, the collapse of SBB, SVB, um, you know, this is what a lot of people in the alt to the alt community, you know, people in our circles here um, are talking about being the thing that leads us all into a form of digital slavery. Because whenever, you know, somebody controls and somebody, not you, somebody that you don't have representatives, even, even bothering to speak for you in, um, when you have something like that governing your currency, well, they can just shut it off anytime they want to. I mean, they're already doing it over in China, folks. 
And what the argument's going to be there, the, uh, the, the problem, reaction, solution from our own establishment, guess what it is? Oh, we're going to have to do what they do because we, we have to compete with them. And they'll assert that over and over again. So if China and the BRICS nations and others come together with a new form of digital currency and it wipes out the petrodollar um, in, in its dominance and in our hegemony in the world, well, to be the good guys that we need to be and not those nasty Chinas and Russias and Saudi Arabias, even though we prop all of them up, you know, even though that we're involved and we're in cahoots with all of them, that uh, in order to compete with them, though, in order to be the, 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 the good guys, in order to be the big baby face Hulk Hogan of the world, like we've always envisioned ourselves to be, that, uh, that we have to have this new form of digital currency. Yep. But um, going to save us, though. Six. Yeah, yeah. And, and it says that uh, here in a report at the time, it says CEO Greg Becker said SVB had an employee matching program for donations that focused on pandemic response, part of the platform. COVID was always part of the platform, folks. It was always part of the platform. Uh, social justice. Yes. I mean, Glenn Beck, you know, John Henry has been talking about this for what, 20 years now, you know, from uh, talking about the pincher movement, you know, you, you collapse everything you have. It's from top and bottom at the same time. You have the people at the bottom, the social strata, all hooked on the government's dope of some sort, whether it be, you know, payments of, or whatever, or even, you know, freedom. You do even have to pay any people anybody anymore you could just lock them in their homes and tell them they can't come out until they take their shots right you weld them in like in china they were talking about oh yeah we weren't far from that over over here in our hemisphere but we're we're so righteous and and pious aren't we that well we're not as bad as those bad guys in china were that's what we keep telling ourselves even though it's been uh, pretty much proven that we've sent them all the money they that they needed to maybe engineer this virus if if, if it weren't us all together um and i think that anthony fauci's recent uh i'll go back to the panel for this but i think uh anthony fauci's recent um you know statements on this are quite telling when he says that the viruses that were in the wuhan lab molecularly couldn't be the same virus it was well, yeah we sent them those viruses so they can put together the frankenstein one you dummy you know that's 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 why they can't find the virus there because it, there was no virus being held there it was a code it was something that they were piecing together digitally, right? It wasn't something they were like, oh, let's mix this on a Petri dish with a little bit of that and a splash of pineapple juice. You know, it's like, no, <laughs> they weren't making, uh, they weren't making virus cocktails over there, folks. They were genetically engineering viruses on computers. That's why, that's why you can't find it there. And they were also, uh, we found a research paper stating that they actually were printing it 3D like actually printing i was like oh what the actual heck is going on here remember when and i said creepy I crawler just, machine john henry heck yeah that's what it's like disgusting and i saw this video of uh, fauci the other day where he was talking about he was they were asking him if it was pretty much bio like a bioweapon and he was saying oh well we can't say a bioweapon but it, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it might have occurred in nature, but someone might have taken the particle and in the lab, they might have just, you know, adjusted or played with it a little bit and it might have leaked. And people are like, so it, <laughs> so it is a bioweapon. Yeah, it's <laughs> you just a bioweapon. You, bio you're covering your own ass right now. Okay. I All was right. like, what? <laughs> and it's crazy that we can have these conversations on 
a news like um well not us but well the the people who are actually committing these crimes can yeah. go and blatantly talk about these things on the news and people still have that cognitive dissonance like no it was yeah. helpful it would have been worse without the shot and um this needed to happen uh or it it's not a bioweapon it's just like what is it going to take I, I i solemnly believe that when truth unless someone wants to believe i think it's the same concept with god and faith and i i never understood this as much as i do now i think i probably understand more as i get older obviously but it became quite clear to me that unless you choose to have faith no matter how much evidence slaps you in the face you will never believe in it i think that's true for the bible and and it's showing me everything else in life you can have the truth about covid being a plan and distributing bioweapons raping and killing kids trafficking people in north america in which we are the biggest distributors of the world by the way um but people don't care it they don't want to believe it because i don't know maybe they maybe it's just they want to believe their life is that i look at it like this let's say you have <clears throat> you have a family member like an uncle or a cousin or something and everyone in the family knows that this uncle or cousin or whoever it has been abusing someone in the family they don't they for some reason they turn up not all the time but most of the time they try to avoid that painful reality and be oblivious to it no matter how much it's in their face people turn to like alcoholism or drugs or other addictions to just not deal with it I feel like it's like that, but on a, like a macro level where it's like they, they know it's true, but they just can't accept, ever accept that it's true because then if yeah. they did, it's like Armageddon for them. Or like, you know what I mean? Well, if you don't accept yeah, the prescriptions given sucks. to you by religion, whose prescriptions for life are you going to accept? That's why it's constantly yeah, exactly. torn down in our society, right, John Henry? Like they, they have to tear down faith. They have to remove that from schools. They have to take prayer out of school. They, you can't even pray on the sidelines of a football game anymore. You can't talk about you can't talk about the Bible and history. How do you teach history without teaching the Bible? Even if you don't believe yeah. all of any of its core tenets, how do you not look at it as a historical document at least and, and, and study it that way? So like Keisha mentioned that you understand where slavery came from. The reason why they have to remove that is because they have to sell you on a new way of thinking. They have to replace what, what existed before. They have to replace the old yeah. society and the old cultural norms with new ones so that way you can adhere to whatever stupidity and illogic bullshit that they're going to try and enforce on us. That's how they do exactly. it. I think in another way as well, removing I'll completely side note, I guess, or however uh, you want to look at this, I guess, uh, removing fathers largely from the home, I think is a big responsibility for most of society, um, indulging in this kind of cognitive dissonance, because personally, my dad growing up always told me things straight. It didn't oh. matter what was going on. Um, you know, my mom actually had someone in her family who was sexually abusive. And my dad was like, who is it? Because I'm not letting my kid around this person. Um, this needs to be dealt with. He's very proactive instead of reactive. And when COVID was going on, he sat me down and was like, they are killing people and they were are raping kids and we need to do something about it. And I was like, oh, shoot, how did you, 
what's going on? Like, explain it to me. And then I was like, well, you know what? This is going to suck, but this is what we have to do because, you know, if we stand up, maybe some more people will see what's going on too. People need more fathers and men that are actually going to be men in their lives that are going to tell them the truth rather than sugarcoat things to them and make them think that everything's a ball of fairies and sunshine. Because although that is that has its purpose and place in life, um, for some reason, it's just like most people, they want to pretend that problems don't exist and they'll go away if you pretend they don't exist. And that's, that's not how it works. You need the solution. Well, and the destruction of the nuclear family is absolutely a tactic. You know, we've talked about that before because what it does is it creates dependency. And when you look at the statistics of people that commit crimes, they come from single parent homes, you know, and a big part of that is the glorification of that, right? Of babies, mamas and not being married and not having religious beliefs. You know, that's become a popular trend and has been for years and years and years and years. And, you know, that's one thing where I love all music, but that absolutely is one of the most broken parts of hip hop culture is that gets just glorified babies, mamas, babies, mamas, babies, mamas, drugs, violence, and all that shit. And, you know, to your point, Keisha, when you take that father out of the home, you don't have that support system anymore. And that also starts to create dependency on government. That's how people end up on welfare and food stamps and, you know, um, you know, their housing is paid for and it's easy to control people that also aren't seeking further education because of that too, because there's not that drive there and that just accountability and responsibility. Cause we talk so much about community here and, and really community is just another word for family to me, blood or not, doesn't make a difference. You become part of families. And that's why a lot of these kids, you know, they end up gravitating towards gang life because that's a family. That's yeah. men to look up to, right? And unfortunately, this is they're criminal enterprises. So they're getting the wrong example, and that just perpetuates the issue further and further and further. Because the people don't know it. 100% correct. I, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, uh, same, same with the grunge music that, I'm a, that I grew up with, right? That was usually by musicians that were a product of, uh, you know, uh, a divorced uh, home, you know, family life, you know. And even with punk rock too, it's like a lot of these punk bands came together because their their childhood was, you know, a disaster. So they had to create their own families in a way. So the reason that, why you go searching for a new way and that creates a lot of that, and the reason for a lot of that dark music that's sort of unique and, and different from everything that was popular at the time. Is because when you don't have the lessons there, like imagine if you remove the fathers from the stories in the Bible, <laughs> how many stories yeah. would you have left? And like how much knowledge would be the left? The whole in them? book is about I, the father. Yeah, like, exactly. What do you? I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. What do you do? There's so much of my, so much of my confusion is women's unwillingness to submit because. Uh, to their their spouses or their fathers because whether they realize it or not they're being forced to submit to men in other areas because they're pandering to the emotions of women and of course I'm a woman so men do this to me sometimes too without I even realizing until I go to my dad and he's like no do this instead and I'm like oh shoot I didn't even realize my bad like if you don't submit by choice because of women's I th- I always like my dad explained to me that 
men are playing chess and women are playing checkers. And it's not because we're stupid. It's not because we're less as people are less valuable. We are just different. And men create circumstances like you guys were talking about earlier. People, they create circumstances for wars and give the, the circumstance of the problem and the solution all at once. Bill Gates creating the virus and the solution. Whereas, you know, women have a very different way of approaching um, their frustrations and, you know, their evil attacks if they ever do. It's more like in the moment. It's not usually thought 10 years in advance and things like right. that. So, right. you know, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a different kind of um, fight that we're in, engaging in. And when you, when you, when you think that you're winning, you're losing. The, if you think that you're winning the battle, you've already lost the war. You can win each individual battle, like three battles and still lose the war. Right. So it's, to me, it's confusing in today's society that we've pandered to the women in a way where we've lied to them, made them believe they had this false sense of power to give greater power to the people behind the scenes and right. abuse them in even worse ways because Women are more traumatized and more, more, more suffering than they were before when they thought they were under patriarchal tyranny. Like, you know, if you don't submit to your husband or your father, you're going to be submitting to your boss and he's not going to be giving anything to you. And he doesn't care because you're lining his pockets. You're going to be submitting hundred percent. That's why Rockefeller wanted you all in the workforce that and to help you know yep. tax more people because you can just double the, the, you know, the, the, the tax revenue by introduce by flooding the labor market you know and nowadays like if you're not a career type woman if you're not willing to sacrifice your own children if you're not willing to abort your own children to maybe work for amazon or work for elon musk you know like they'll, they'll pay you they'll pay you to drive across a state to kill your own baby you know so oh that gosh. way that way you can show up to work and get those tps reports in on time you know, like, right. but that's how silly it is. That's how minute, and that's how little that they think of us as a, as as people, as a species. You know, alone. And like, how do you how do you rectify you know certain problems? How do you fix certain problems when you can't even identify that, uh, the proper variables I'm, in them? If I say I'm attracted to a woman that wants to have a family and wants to you know create an awesome home home for children or whatever i feel like now i'm going to be labeled as being a misogyn misogynist or something you know and you know i love women so and i always look at any person that i was ever with i always looked at them as an equal never i never thought of them any less like because i'm the man you know most of the time they would have more strength than i would you know yeah but that's I mean, equal to you and in, in a different way like in, in a spiritual or energetic like type of way or as a human being, but like on, a, you know, a, maybe Jason Barker could give us some, uh, you know, insight to this whenever he's fully retired. But like, I just recently read something about females in the military and the uptick of sexual, um, you know, type of, uh, aggression against them and, and yes, abuse yeah. against them in the military. Like we're, we're, we're trying our best to put everybody on the same physical and, and, other even mental playing fields right Keisha but you're putting women yeah, in a foxhole isn't going to be the same as putting men in a foxhole and the rest of the world doesn't want to realize well at least our world over here in the western civilization doesn't want to realize it it is not the same at all and I mean being raised in Canada most uh and seeing the difference in America I mean in Canada we raise kids pretty much gender neutral if that makes sense because you're taught 
you are the exact same as man. You can do whatever he can and you're better. And that's simply not true. Women can do things men can't. Men can do things women can't. There's a reason why we're different. And I don't think you can appreciate someone fully without acknowledging their differences. And I think that idea that we've been lied to about being the same is the reason why we also have no definition of a woman today. It, it, and, and transgender people going in, in sports, in the boxing ring with females and in swimming, it's, it's not fair. It's, I don't care what anybody says. I watched the video the other day with Dylan Mulvaney and Drew Barrymore, where she got on her knees and started telling him that, you know, she used to herself the most. So, so strange. What happened? So I strange. But I missed it. So what, what happened is he was talking about his experience of, I guess, being a woman and overcoming some things. And she was talking more on a personal level as a more emotional, personal level as a woman usually would. And I always look at the line of thinking when people speak, like when I'm listening to them and watching their body language. When she was talking, Dylan asked her, well, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. What do you do about it? Kind of to cope. She didn't really answer the question. She just started talking about, and I don't think she did this on purpose. She just, it sounded like she was trying to relate to him and started talking about her feelings about the situation. Eventually he cut her off and he gave her the solution. And she was like, oh, you're actually making me think about this differently now. And then he was like, yeah. And then he, you could see that in his face, I think that he was, he was like, no, I'm not listening to this. This is the solution. This is what I'm actually doing. This is the answer. And it's a very man type way of thinking. Another girl would just sit there and be like, oh my gosh, you're so right. Like, I feel the same way. This just sucks. It sucks, but it's okay. You know, like you're a great person. You're so nice. And someone's going to see that one day. Like guys oh. don't do that, you know? Um, not as much care for each can... other's emotional state. I'll, I will well, say that. that yeah. for me when I request it. <laughs> yes. I yeah, but it's a more it's a more natural thing where most of our conversations is literally trying to be uplifting and supportive because we know that we need to vent and things. And so, saying that a man is the same as a woman and there's there's no difference, it takes away the value of it. And me personally, my dad has always taught me that <laughs> I can was. Can I something, Keisha? Sure. So just to your point, it's ironic. I had a conversation with a friend this morning about something. Um, and it was about um, whether or not he wanted to apply for a promotion. And his response was, well, I probably won't get it anyway. And please excuse my language. And my response to him was, you're a giant pussy. <laughs> so I said, and here's the deal. Like that is my cousin. A- that is such a defeatist, whiny, sissy way to look at it because even showing interest in a promotion that gets your mouth in that or your name into that dialogue or that narrative permanently. I said, so you're being a giant puss. That's all. I bet you'd work out too, but you'd probably be tired and sore afterwards, huh? So you probably shouldn't. That was my response to him. And his reply was, this is why I value your friendship so much. Yes. It was just like that brutal. So that's the difference. That's why as you're explaining that, I'm just thinking about that conversation today. Like, yes, we definitely operate different uh, when it comes, especially emotionally, you know, with each other, with men versus how women. Exactly. I I was laughing as you're saying, I'm like this conversation this morning where basically I was like (laughs) just calling him out and talking shit. And he's like, thank you for that. I appreciate that. (laughs) 
No, it's a hundred percent. I think it's something I noticed since I was raised by my dad and then my grandmother and great grandmother. So, I mean, it's completely different than being raised by your mother who's younger and can do a lot more things with you. And, you know, I mean, I did a lot of things. They taught me more traditional nuclear home things, which I value and appreciated. And my dad also taught me that the same kind of stuff, but I noticed in the way that he speaks to me and, and deals with things that he's very tactical in his approach. He's very logical and he, he wants the solutions. And sometimes I'll be talking about a problem. I'll get into it. And he's like, okay, you need to stop right there. You can't go down that line of thinking because it's going to lead in a, a bad direction. You don't want to go. I'm telling you case you got to stop right now. And then I, you know, I'm angry, but I'm thinking, I'm like, Oh, he's right. I got to stop. <laughs> so then we start reasoning out the conversation and I feel better. Um, and I think there's there's a time and place for that and what mothers do, which is the nurturing aspect. But he's always told me that women are valuable in what they do and men are valuable in what they do. And they're both necessary to have uh, a family. Kids need both. It's an equalizing balance. But I, he's never told me that I was less than or that I needed, um, you know, all the money in the world or all this fake hair and nails or, you know, degrees or whatever to be valuable. He told me that, you know, the things of Proverbs 31, pretty much in the Bible, like to, to be loving and compassionate, to be support, to have my own things that I enjoy doing to help people um, love God. I mean, to have a personality, to be a good person, you know, um, the things that they train you to do to be a mom, kind of, uh, because he said those things are most valuable to men because they're the ones who take care of you. They're not worried about you taking care of them unless they're looking for a free ride pretty much or something. And obviously in today's society, they've created in a way where men and women pretty much both have to work and do things, which, mm -hmm. you know, is a whole nother conversation. But that being said, you're not the slave for him. Uh, you can't do both, which is why a lot of kids suffer today. But anyways, the point is we're all, we're all equal as human beings and as children of God, but we're different. And in order to truly value those things, we have to see those differences for what they are. It makes me so angry that, there's literally people like Dylan Mulvaney being a woman or a transgender man or a man who's pretending to be a woman gets the courage of the year for women award. And it's like, what, what, what do we have anymore as women? We don't have anything. We don't have sport. We, have, we don't have our own sports. Not that I, you know, we don't have our own definition of actually being a woman. We can't even spend time with our kids. God forbid you ever want to have kids or be serving to your partner or your family. Um, God forbid you cook for your spouse. God forbid you claim to be an actual woman. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. You have to separate like from the old gone. society. You have to prove to the establishment now as a woman that not only can you, you, you're still required to do all those things, but in secret, right? You know, so you still have to do all that, but then you also have to be a man in the business world and other things, but they use positive and negative reinforcement. John Henry and I function very well off of a system of negative reinforcement, especially at the gym. Uh, we have shocked people around us by the things that we will say to one another in order to uh, get motivated. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's just something that we do. But like in, in this case, just to wrap this up with SVB, like I'd heard that none of these people really that were at the top of this, uh, that were responsible for this, this failure had ever really had a, an experience in banking. 
they, they were brought they were brought in to you know basically do little dances for ESG and, and talk about diversity and how you know men can be women now and we don't even know what a woman is anymore and and all these other things that was that was the point the ESG part of this is really like a bone that they throw on the floor for dogs to just fight over right like these social and cultural culture war type of topics the real the real play is to get everyone distracted with that stuff, even the people involved, so that the people at the top of the racket can take advantage. And I had also picked up this past week, thanks to um, Dave Smith and uh, Clint from Liberty Lockdown, Clint Russell. Um, they were talking yeah. about how the leader of Lehman Brothers, a uh, famous bank from the last bank, big banking collapse, um, was at the top of this bank too. So you you just continue to fail upwards um, in, in this and in, in this uh, circuit, I guess you could say, whenever it like comes in Washington to this stuff. too. What was that, Chris? It says like in Washington too. Oh, absolutely, yeah, the same exact thing. You know, as long as you accept the new cultural norms that the establishment's trying to push, it doesn't matter how competent you are. It doesn't matter if you were responsible for massive failures. It doesn't matter if you were responsible for the release of a virus or a train wreck that caused you know a bunch of people to get cancer eventually. That that, that doesn't matter as long as you're wearing the right type of uh, what what did they wear Kenta cloths during this Black Lives Matter thing? You know for for. For um, the Democrats, they wore Kentacloss, but they didn't understand when they were wearing slave the Kentacloss that they were slave yeah. trader outfits, right? That's right. But really dialed in. Yeah, as long, but as long as you're wearing the right hat or the right shoes and it's from the right company, everything's hunky-dory. Don't look at the real details of what's going on, folks. So, um, And that's what leads us to a, a, you know, a different form of slavery. And one of the things, you know, just moving on to the next of the big four here. Um, when you talk about our move or our push towards a one world government and CBDC, um, this U.S. drone crash um, after an encounter, it says, with a Russian jet. Now, this um, they recently put out a, I guess, a little video of. I don't think it's in this article here, so I'll switch you over to this one and we'll just see if we can get to this. So I'll try and watch the full video here. This is it. And whoops. Oopsie. What happens here? What the hell is going on? Did the thing stick to it? It's a UFO. Like it's moving and like watch it come in. Boop. And then just, oh, there it goes. <laughs> That's so wild. Now this is, per this was released from our Pentagon, which they love releasing videos at the Pentagon. Don't, don't they, Chris? Yeah, I thought it was a saucer, no? Yeah, I mean, so when it comes to the, these these drone missions, like, first off, what the fuck are we doing over there? What are we doing over there? Do I need to pull up a world map and show people, like, here's where we are, here's where this is, what the fuck are we doing there? But, you know, with little things like this, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I don't want to get everyone into their bunkers now, you know, buying our, uh, our, our, our food rations and whatever else, and their, their iodine, and, but... If you have that stuff, it's probably not a bad thing, right, John Henry? It's probably good to have some iodine on hand. It's probably good to have some medical supplies, some food, some water. Gas masks, iodine tablets, water filtration systems, food. Yes. Protection, cash, especially now. You know, we're looking at concern of, you know, I know we're not on this segment particularly, but, um, you know, potential run on banks. What happens there? Um, mm -hmm. Not good. 
Better have some shit at your house well, or somewhere. And and Graves, they don't really need anything of substance to start a war, do they? Like I think we've we've, no. we've proven that over the past several decades, haven't we? Weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, weapons of mass destruction. You got it. Um, and it says like this is Pentagon footage that proves that Russia was lying when it said its Su twenty seven fighter jet made no contact with the thirty two million dollar U.S. Reaper drone. Again, thirty two million dollars for them to fly around over the seats for what? What are they collecting over there? Are they are they doing uh, measurements of the fish population in the Bering Sea <laughs> or the Black Sea? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, tadpoles. Yeah, the measuring tadpole tail length here. No, this is uh, measured from the base. Yeah, right. Uh, but this is uh, the astonishing uh, move, movement, it says, moment. A Russian from fighter. The base. Yeah, yeah, astonishing movement. There we go. That's for later. Uh, astonishing moment. A Russian fighter jet crashes into a US MQ 9 Reaper drone over the Black Sea. Why is it called a, a Reaper drone? Were they looking for like the most metal name to give it to? <laughs> what is it Reaper? I'm sure that's the one that Obama used to kill a bunch of people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, without trials. Yeah, without yeah, trials or anything. A couple wedding parties, you know, SUV full of a family, seven kids. No really? Now, Where? Oh, yeah, that happened, Keisha. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll We'll find an article for that. We'll find an article for that, oh, Keisha. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, was it Anwar Alalaki was the guy's name? Yeah, and he was an American citizen. Yeah, 16 years old. Killed his son too. After. Yeah, was, yeah. Di- the 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 kid was dining with his father, who was a uh, it was claimed to be a terrorist, not ever proven, but just claimed to be. So Obama got the peace Nobel Peace Prize too. And what they do here, I'll switch back to the panel. And what they do here with this stuff is, is that you know they they're sitting in a control room, right? Like uh, the people in charge of these operations. And what I've been told is that they just, they have lawyers behind them, you know, watching whatever's going on. And they ask the lawyer, hey, can we get away with this? And the lawyer says, yeah, sure. And they just do it. You know, it's not, it's not any, any more of a moral compass or moral hazard to them than that. You know, they just simply, can we get away with this? This person is a supposed threat. Can we blow them up along with their entire family? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go for it. Um, the media backs them up and defends them or buries the story. Um, and then, you know, years later, people like us are talking about it. I mean, if you look at what happened to uh, the one family at the end of our um, little run in Afghanistan, when we pulled out there, the the terrorist that we were going after was actually bringing water home to his family. The kids ran out to uh, receive the water and jump into the car as he was pulling it down the driveway. And one of these nifty little drones just blew up the car with his kids in it. And they were going to get water. They weren't bringing in weapons. They weren't moving around dirty bombs. This isn't an episode of 24. It was a bunch yep. of kids running out to the car to get water. because This wasn't uh, Bush or Trump. Yeah. So they're all bad, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. The international drone stuff needs to stop. Like it's, it's been in play for a long time. It was introduced to our world and, and, and justified after nine 11, of course, you know, and we've spent billions, if not trillions of dollars on this type of engagement with people. 
And it's always meant to, so just like we were talking about, you know, thesis, antithesis, synthesis. Well, you don't want to send ground troops there. You don't want boots on the ground. You can't just march people into Libya or Afghanistan, other places like that without just cause or without Congress's, uh, you know, approval. You can't go into Pakistan chasing Osama bin Laden, who might already be dead or not even real at all. Um, yeah, Grace, we're going to talk about that in a future special. Um, but you, you can't send, you know, drone, you can't send people into Pakistan, but you can send drones, you know, you can fly people, you can fly drones into Pakistan and blow things up. I mean, if you really want to go back to, we did the same thing to Laos and Cambodia during the Vietnam war. You know, we didn't officially declare you know war on them. We didn't march people into their countries to take over them. No, we just bombed the living hell out of those people where they're still digging up munitions. They're still digging up bombs in their fields today. That today, children that have never even heard, like, never even thought of the Vietnam War. Or not. That's what Princess Diana was against, was going up against, uh, tr- well, not going against, but she was trying to, you know, for the minefield thing, uh, to digging up minefield so that children wouldn't get blown up yeah yeah we, we've always had those less and you, you go back and to when she uh, died six clinton reversed his stance on diana's proposal oh, <laughs> oh of course yeah because he also yeah. said that oral sex isn't sex you know that's 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 the kind of president that he was so but uh yeah exactly Keisha. um that, that's documented too that's documented um but this <laughs> is um this is from PBS NewsHour by way of Chris Graves. All right, I'm going to pull this up. There we go. And this is Obama says U.S. drone strikes killed civilians that shouldn't have been. Um, Okay, it says Washington President Barack Obama acknowledged Friday that civilians were killed that shouldn't have been in past U.S. drone strikes. So he admits that it happened at least. But said the administration is now very cautious. We're just being very careful now. Okay, doesn't really... They really talk about how, but it says about striking where women and children are present. Um, Obama was asked at a news conference about an increase in the number of people targeted in drone strikes against extremists in Libya that I just mentioned, Syria, Somalia. Do we ever declare war on any of these countries? Anybody see that uh, Congress declared war on these these guys anywhere? I, I haven't been able to find it. So, but it says in the past there was. Legitimate criticism, it says, that the legal architecture around the use of drone strikes wasn't as precise as it should have been. <laughs> what a fucking bullshit political statement. Yeah, we'll, the take past. Few, we'll take out a few wedding parties. It's fine. So there was legitimate criticism. So some people had said that this wasn't right. You know, I just said, but there's no doubt that civilians were killed that shouldn't have been, you know, he says. But all that's good, though, because we still got the bad guys, right? It stopped this terrorism, stopped this stuff. It said he added that over the last several years that the administration has worked to prevent civilian deaths. And in situations of war, he says, you know, we have to take responsibility when we're not acting appropriately. Okay, so you, you took responsibility. And then what happened? <laughs> Where was the follow up on that one? goes on to say recent drone and other airstrikes against extremist targets that alone just labeling people immediately as the people targeted they were definitely extremists the use of that language right the, the language that's being used against us at home now um as domestic terrorists all you know if you if you're not down with uh, whatever the platform is pushing um one man's uh, terrorist is another man's freedom fighter very true very true it says recent drone and other airstrikes against extremists extremist targets 
targets have killed large numbers of people. A strike on an Islamic... You think that would make people mad there? You think that would perpetuate, you know, war and harm and, you know... Uh, ISIS. Yeah, yeah. You, you think it would it would create more extremists, you know, if you just went over to countries and started, you know, not only bombing and drone striking you know, them, torturing but... torturing them. Yes, gathering them, them up and torturing them and having insane type of uh, torture uh, instigations, you know, to remove or extract, you know, people people's putting uh, hoods on them putting them in sexually explicit positions making fun of their religion yeah basically everything gina haspel uh was about and gina haspel if you're not familiar cia director um she was the one in charge yep. of the cia during uh trump's covid pandemic you wonder where the mind fuckery and torture came from folks yeah hmm what if it flows downstream from going there? back to Iraq and everything in the yeah. Guantanamo Bay? So the very people that were in charge of, you know, the, the torture and beating and uh, kidnapping and the child trafficking and everything else that Keisha and others have endured. Um, yeah, that, that could have stemmed down, you know, downstream from the intelligence well, agencies the, that were responsible for everything at the time. Well, look at the Intercept article. <laughs> yep, this is Glenn Greenwald. Obama killed, this is it, a 16-year-old American in Yemen. And Trump just killed his 8-year-old sister. The War of Terror framework continues to folks. savage the world's poorest civilians. Yes, especially when it comes to this topic. And in, 2020, in 2010, it says President Obama directed the CIA. Remember what I was just saying? To assassinate an American yep. citizen in Yemen. Anwar al-Awlaki. Despite the fact that he had never been charged with, let alone convicted, any crime, and the agency successfully carried out that order a year later. With a September, of course it was during September, right? 2011 drone strike. While the, that assassination created widespread debate, oh, just debate, the once again beloved ACLU sued Obama to restrain him from the assassination on the ground of due process. And then when the suit was dismissed, Thanks, courts, uh, sued Obama again after the killing was carried out. Another drone carried out shortly thereafter was perhaps even more significant, yet generated relatively little attention. Two weeks after the killing of Awlaki, a separate CIA drone strike in Yemen killed his 16-year-old American-born son. Abdurrahim, I don't, along with the boy's 17-year-old cousin, and several other innocent Yemenis. The U.S. eventually claimed that the boy was not their target, but merely collateral damage. We're all collateral damage to them. Now, Abdurrahman's, I think that's how you say it, grief-stricken grandfather, Nasser al-Awlaki, urged the Washington Post, the CIA's newspaper, to visit, and also Jeff Bezos, dickhead, uh, to visit a Facebook memorial page for Abdurrahman which explained, look at his pictures, his friends, and his hobbies. His Facebook page shows a typical kid. Few events pulled the mask off of Obama officials like this one. It highlighted how the Obama administration was ravaging Yemen, one of the world's poorest countries, just weeks after he'd won the Nobel Prize. And Obama used cluster bombs that killed 35 Yemeni women and children. Doesn't this remind you, Chris, doesn't this remind you of Curtis LeMay, the devil himself back then? You know, the person that opted to, uh, instead oh, of sending ground troops into Japan, well, well, part of that, 
But before that, even instead of sending ground troops in during World War II into places like Japan, they just decided to firebomb the wooden cities of Japan. Let me put it to you this way, folks. Your whole city, your house, all wood. They dropped napalm, basically, on, on, on these cities and burnt them all to the to. ground, women and children in them. They didn't have to either that, at that point. In the, not, they didn't have to in general, but they were just making a, uh, some kind of sick point after the fact. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't need to do. And I've heard as well with the, the dropping of the, the bombs, the dropping of the A-bombs, you know, fat boy and little man. and That's actually what I was talking about. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I was referring to. That was all unnecessary. Yeah, because, the well, the Russians had pretty much had the war on lock. And, and, exactly. and after the Germans surrendered, the Japanese were certainly to follow. I mean, and so there was no justification, not that it would have been justified anyway, but yeah, that was uh, too little too late, but they still went forward with it anyway. Yeah. And always a piece of shit. Uh, this is a quote. Due process just means there's a process that you do. Snarked Stephen Colbert. Yep. Funny guy, I, th- I used to think a long time ago. Yeah, and Robert Gibbs offers a sociopathic justification, it says, for killing the Colorado-born teenager. Yeah, born in Colorado, apparently blaming him for his own killing by saying he should have had more had a more responsible father. You want to know something else, Six? I just, I just realized um, they tried tying this guy to the hijackers of 9-11. Mm-hmm. They also tried to uh, tie him to the Fort Hood uh Shooter, Fort Hood shooter, uh, even, yeah. and also the Christmas Day uh, underwear bomber that uh, was led onto the plane by uh, some kind of a fed. Jeez, yeah, man. I just saw that, and also there was a rumor that uh, I'll, I can't even pronounce his name because I'm an idiot, but mm-hmm. the uh, the man that was first killed and then his son was just killed, murdered. Um, Alawaki, how do you help me out here? Alawaki. Yeah, and we're Alawaki. Yeah, he uh, one of the articles uh, from CBS News said that uh, he dying right at the Pentagon. Yep, I have it here. That's actually the headline. So could that be? Uh, you know, they needed to take him out for different reasons. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure if he was dying at the Pentagon, he wasn't just talking about like how good the bread pudding is there. <laughs> he was probably right. talking about like, you know terrorism stuff <laughs> the types yeah. of things that the pentagon engages with or creates in or order, in order to fund more wars oh yeah boarding backs you know. yeah because dead yeah. men tell no tales right you know his name instead of it if his name wasn't anwar alalaki and it was michael hastings would it be yeah, any, yeah would, would it be any different would it be any different than the other people that you know are about to could expose something you know very uh uh, you know, very bad for the Pentagon, and they they wind up dead. <laughs> we've we've seen this story once or twice, haven't we? Well, regardless, he didn't have a trial. They just uh, oh. executed him, and then his son. Yeah. But um, so, and they also had a debate about right here hmm. about if they were changing the story or whatever. Um, and this is the New York Times. No, Democracy Now. Oh, there we go. That's what that was. Right. Yeah, this. I is... forgot all about this guy, to be honest. Which. Um, Seems so like much stuff has happened. To his credit, Tim Pool does bring him up often, you know, because he he likes to cite that you know all the people that you know are in, sort of in the center, or the center left, uh, and even like center right that voted for Obama over the you know what what the Bush war machine was and the Republican Party was 
in, yeah. up until 2008. Like if you look at if you look at both the uh, the war and the economic collapse and what happened politically after that, the Obama sea change politically. Was, Obama said he was going to shut down Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, yeah, which would have been a great thing, Before right? Or after bringing in the guillotines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, yeah, yeah the, the the type of treatment seems like that country has no value for human life anymore or children's lives and you know i don't know what reason that is i don't know if it has anything to do with and we installed them too the saudis but, you talk, I'm, you're referring to right well, saudis and it's yeah and it, it will and yeah. it's not that the it's not that the country itself does it it's just that the people that we put in power do not they don't oh, reflect yeah. us they don't represent us none of these people that made any of these calls to kill these people none of us would ever agree to that them of the other populations, you know, they just want to get us all uh, hating each other. Yeah. America, America and mostly like, and Chris, you've done extensive research on this topic. I mean, America has mostly been all of its existence an anti-war country. Yep. And, and, and it's disturbing that we're such an war. empire now, especially yep. over the past 20 to 30 years, like what we've done to dig ourselves in, into these foxholes, you know, shout out Jason Barker and yeah. all, and all these different uh, you know, places. You know, it's really sad. Six is that our last real president that didn't want to intervene in anyone else's affairs. It's looking like that was George Washington. Well, and even he went after the the whiskey rebellion people. <laughs> you know, well, and then I found that out too. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. maybe that was a even George well. Washington had his tyrannical edge, yeah. and I, and that's the thing. I I think it's the it's that position of power in which you give somebody. It's it's not the vessel themselves, it's the position. You know, you could put anybody in that position. It doesn't matter who it is. It could be George Washington, it could be Oprah, it, you know, it, it could be the guy that ran the Pizza Hut buffet at Woonsocket when they took it down for the the health code violation. I'd rest his soul. Yeah, it it doesn't matter who you put in that position that that power will corrupt. It, it you know the absolute power of that, right? We talk corrupts, about that absolutely. Yes. yes, of course it does. You know, and, and, and the thing about it is, is that in order to maintain that position, in order to maintain our hegemony, and in, in order to maintain our place in the world, is that we've had the thought that we have to be just as evil and just as bad as everyone else, too. That's a, that's a Henry Kissinger type of thing, you know, a real politics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they call it real politique, where, you know, since, since we're dealing with the Saudis and, you know, since we're dealing with China and since we're dealing with Russia, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Russia or Putin, you know, whenever it comes to like their actions, you know, the Russian people, I would probably love the Russian people. You know, I've seen, I've seen great concert footage of the Russian people and the amazing concerts that they have over there. The, John Henry and I have watched those people dress up, dressing up as bananas and crowd surfing and stuff like 1991, that. 1991. Having a good time, you know? Pantera. Yeah. But just, yes, yes. Yeah. When you're talking about that, that stage, like that, that really, to me, like Dimebag Daryl playing a guitar solo in front of like a million people, like a hundred thousand people or whatever it was all at Helicopter once. Helicopter whizzing above the crowd very dangerously. Yeah. That's us, dude. That's, that's what, that's, if you look at our soul, that's what it is. It's not this, roll. It, yeah, it's not this blood and treasure. It has nothing to do with that because we don't it's even see it. Fellow concert goer, you know, that fell down in the mosh pit and you pull yeah. him back up and you say, hey, buddy, and you, and you're, you, you want what's best for everybody around you. You just, you know, you're giving out energy. You're taking in energy. And yeah. it's 
Dimebag was a better representative of any of us back then than any president would ever be. You know? Like, that's our true spirit. Like, when we, when we build these, yeah. and, and, and Keisha, I mean, you're a woman of faith, you've expressed that. You know, when you build these false kingdoms, you know, when you build people up to be something that they're not ever supposed to be, you know, when you give them that power, you know, it's, it's, it's a bound to collapse, but it always collapses into evil. You know, that by, by creating a, a false paradigm, you know, of men and women, by creating a false paradigm of, of, of truth and justice or, you know, whatever, uh, who's a terrorist and who isn't a terrorist, every time they push those false paradigms on us and separate us into different groups and us versus them, you know, just like, you know, Roger Waters would talk about back in Pink Floyd's days, you know, on Dark Side of the Moon, like all that, all that is built upon, it's, it's built to not last, you know, and, and the people there know it. You know, the people at the top, the people that sort of, you know, they scrape and scrounge their way up to the top, you know, and being in charge of this. You know, Chris, we talk about it all the time on the show. How compromised do you have to be in order to be the president? You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole, yeah. You know, so, I mean, you, when you know that your position there is temporary, you know, when you know that your position in that power is granted to you by people that have, you know, other ill intentions and evil intentions, and that the only way that you stay within that system is that if you obey whatever e- evil orders they hand down to you, you know, whatever type of sick interrogations that a Gina Haspel or somebody else can come up with, then you're just going to, you're just going to push the button, you know, and we saw so many people do that during COVID, didn't we? We saw so many people follow the orders just blindly. Just, just, you know, the cops that arrested you and your dad, the people in the mental institutions, if you would have interviewed them before that, they probably would have seemed just like us, right? They would have seemed just like normal people, but whatever happened to them where they were exploited, they were pressured, they were coerced, they had their jobs threatened, they had their lives, you know, threatened with ruin, that somebody was going to default, you know, they were going to default on their mortgage, they were going to break up with their spouse, lose, lose you know, contact with their kids, just like your family suffered. Well, then the, the establishment told them, well, it's rather them or you. Rather you do what we tell you to do and take everything away from them or you have nothing. And that's really where we have to, you know, sort of change direction as a culture. Nobody should be able to exploit people like that. Nobody should be able to tell you, I have the authority to tell you that you're going you're gonna to torture these people. You're going to traffic these people. Or else you don't get your pension. You don't get your job anymore. You don't get your benefits. Or, or you, the CBDC money that you have in your account gets switched off. You, know, you don't get to buy food unless you starve somebody else. That's, that's the type of propositions that we're looking at. Well, look at 9-11, the firefighters, they were gagged from talking about those explosions for the first few years until of all outlets, New York Times uh, sued to get all the oral histories released in 2005. They were all threatened to, with their whole pensions, their retirement, everything. Yeah. Either you go along with the plan or you're out. Yep. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about going along with the plan here. The next of the big four, the plan to re-socialize and uh, sort of mind control our children. This is uh, from the Los Angeles Times. It says Zuckerberg was warned on social media addiction, Botling says. And I think it's a little bit, it goes even further than addiction, I believe, but Look at who was involved here, Chris Graves. 
Mark Zuckerberg, of all people, speaks at where? Georgetown University in Washington. I've heard of that. They have a good they have a good uh, cafeteria program, I heard, right? Yeah, Extra great cafeteria program. Yeah. And also, uh, yeah, about the domestic terrorism laws, too. Yeah, they, they're also really into that. Oh, that too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I forgot all about that. Yeah, it's no no wonder he's there speaking, right? About politics. GU politics. Look at the little mugs. They've got little mugs. GU politics. We're going to turn you into a domestic terrorist. I wonder if it says that in the print. Oh, I wish we could have asked him about life log. Log. Yeah, but it says um, unredacted filings from a lawsuit filed over the weekend revealed that Zuckerberg personally had been warned of the risks of social media addiction among children and teens. Now, it says employees at Meta Platforms and ByteDance were aware of the harmful effects of their platforms on young children and teenagers, but disregarded the information or in some cases sought to undermine it, according to claims in in a court filing. Now, just to play devil's advocate. Somebody presents some evidence to you that you don't agree with. You don't necessarily have to always go with it. So I don't think that that, that it's in itself is damning. And also I'd, I'd call into question how they collected such information too. Like how do you prove whether or not something does have a psychological effect or not? That that's, you know, a, a lot of that can be subjective, I'll say. But it says the allegations were disclosed in a lawsuit over social media addiction that had been filed previously, but with key portions sealed from public view. An unredacted version filed over the weekend in federal court in Oakland offers details about how much engineers and others, including Meta Chief Executive Mark Zuckerberg, knew about the harms of social media and their misgivings about it. Well, I don't think he really gave a shit because I think he's in that position because he was selected to be in that position. And we've talked about that in the past, Chris Gray's. But, um, Under the quotes here, it says, no one wakes up thinking they want to maximize the number of times they open Instagram that day, one Meta employee wrote in 2021, according to the filing. But that's exactly what our product teams are trying to do. The case in Oakland comprises a collection of scores of complaints filed across the U.S. on behalf of adolescents and young adults who allege that Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, and Google's YouTube caused them to suffer anxiety, depression, eating disorders, and sleeplessness, and more than a dozen suicides, this this is the one that really disturbs me, also have been blamed on the companies based on claims that they knowingly designed algorithms that drew children down dangerous and addictive paths. Several public school districts have filed suits too, alleging they can't fulfill their educational mission while students are coping with mental health crises. In their defense, the social media giants point to a 1996 law that gives internet platforms broad immunity from claims over harmful content posted by users. Uh, I believe that's the Internet Communications Act of 1996. Actually, I'd like to have uh, Jason Fike, who's battling um, our government and other organizations like this, over that law and how it should be applied. I'd like to talk to him and get some of his insight there. But John Henry, isn't this one of the things that you see in public and see maybe friends struggle with, with children, um, when you, you give them a device and then you take it away and they're like punching themselves in the face and screeching and throwing themselves on the floor and destroying things because they need those bright, shiny colors in front of them. They need those sounds. They need all that. Read the book, stolen focus. That's what it talks about. It's an actual, it's a chemical addiction. 
right? So that dopamine hit, the alert on their phone, how many likes they get, all of it. These people have become fully dependent addicts, and that's exactly how they want them to be. But yeah, the um, Johan Hari, um, the book Stolen Focus is unreal. It talks specifically about this all the way to the core of how they design the programming to do that to people. And they talk here, according to the new filing internal documents at TikTok, Parent ByteDance, show that the company knows young people are more susceptible to being lured into trying dangerous stunts they view on the platform, known as viral challenges, because of their ability to weigh risk isn't fully formed. Then why are we allowing our children to be propagandized by these conglomerates? They've been doing it since television, right? They've been doing it. So, well, I mean, they were doing it on radio beforehand, you know. But the, the way that the TikTok app works in China is completely different than the form that we have in the United States. So the Our one show, in China. Oh, I know. So it's it's interesting. Rogan's talked about this a million times, but in China, the way the app works is it's all educational content. They're limited on how much time they can spend on it. It literally shuts off at like 8 p.m. in the evening. So kids can't even access it like throughout the night and late night. So all the shit where people are, you know, eating Tide Pods and catching, uh, you know, catching their balls on fire. Um, that yeah, is toilet seats. I remember that. Yeah, that is not the form of TikTok that's in China. So it is a total propaganda tool. It's it's to hurt our, our, our youth, man. Um, that thing is a it's a fucking weapon is exactly what it is. I, I can't think of any other way to describe it. Well, marketing in itself has been used as a weapon against children for decades, decades upon decades, even the creation of, of teenagers and adolescents and all that stuff and like our culture and what was branded and geared towards children, the toys we grew up playing with, like all that stuff. I mean, a lot of it's still near and dear to my heart. I love the nostalgia of going back and looking at the old wrestling figures I used to have as a kid and stuff like that. That's fun. But all that stuff, all that marketing, it was mind control, man. I mean, imagine who, what kind of creatures that we would be if we grew up like our ancestors and, you know, playing with sticks and rocks and other things like that. And we didn't have that stimuli, those, those bright colors, especially bright colors, a lot, a lot of that use, the sounds, the way that people talk. Like I, when I watch Disney Channel, like it's significant, the difference between that programming and other programming because of the brightness of it, the way people talk, everything is different and it's hypnotic. These, the, the children just get hypnotized into it. And then when it drives their desires for things, especially in driving them into being just commercial commercialist, you know, just cogs in a, in, in a, in a system where just, they just want and want, I want this, I want that, I want this, and I want to have this. And it goes back to what we were talking about in the BLM stuff too, like people getting sidetracked in their lives. So just, you know, I, I want Louis Vuitton. You know, I, I want, I want a Prada, you know, uh, type of shoe or I want, I want this or that. Did that, did that really even leave people when they became adults? No, it still drives adults. They still do it to us with cars. They do it with, to us with pharmaceuticals, guys. Are, you know, are you feeling sleepy? Are you feeling awake? Are you feeling hungry? Are you feeling full? Well, we got a fucking pill for you, boy. <laughs> you know, that's every, it's every damn thing on our television. Like, what has it done to us as human beings over the past hundred years of just having this type of mass media, you know, uh, basically you know, re-engineering us, socially engineering us? Make world. Yes. Oh, oh, that too. Look at what it did to nutrition. You know, they, they lied to us about the food pyramid. You're watching commercials for Fruit Loops all the time, where if you eat, you know, if you make that the basis of your diet, 
you're probably going to be tired all the time. You're probably going to gain some weight. You're probably going to have emotional issues too because your hormones you are all thrown off. Sticks. Yeah. I could have used this information like a couple of weeks ago. Well, and you're gobbling down every single thing that the chemical companies who used to produce the chemicals that killed people in war and still do, you're taking their byproducts and basically consuming them as food or as pharmaceuticals. That even like the, the, the introduction of pharmaceuticals themselves by Rockefeller was from the, the, the petroleum byproducts that he could market and get people to take pills instead. That natural forms of, of medicine were, were thrown away. They were actually, because uh, they like to use the language to change the use of stuff, instead of you know, taking like ashwagandha root or, or taking uh, you know, a, an amino acid like I take, like acetylcarnitine for memory and for fat loss. You know, instead of something like that is known as a natural remedy, it's in a different section now than health or science or medicine. It's always seen as this different thing. Well, it used to be just medicine. It used to be just something that you take. But now the good medicine, the official TM branded, you know, the real Ghostbusters are, are coming from Pfizer and Moderna and all these other companies, right? Not the earth <laughs> or anything else. It, well, Keisho, you, you were going to say something. Mm -hmm. um, I think I cut you off. Sorry. Oh, no worries. I was just listening. You guys had some pretty interesting things to say. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, I was uh, going back to the the high school stuff, the students or the children just being so involved in um, social media and things like yeah. that. I know that when I was in high school, um, you know, I mean, as a, a smaller kid before I really got into social media, I was just normal like everybody else. I was really healthy. Didn't, I mean, I was running around the place with my grandmother all the time. We'd go on walks every day. And she was vegan, so she raised me mostly vegan, even though I've at this point tried pretty much everything under the sun. I, you know, kind of maintained that diet now. And no, not the chemical stuff. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, not the, not the fake weird stuff that they put that Bill Gates, not the Bill Gates special, but um when I got to middle school, um, like I, I was raised by my dad. And of course, like I say all the time and, you know, I did more boys, tomboy stuff like sports and stuff. And the cousins that I had that were older were boys. So, you know, playing with cars and video games and things like that, it was just normal to me. And when I went to middle school, um, I understood that, okay, girls and guys are actually now I'm seeing more differences because we're going through puberty. And obviously I knew there was differences in some way, but you know, kids don't really think of it much on a more personal level, I guess, until they get kind of older and, you know, people start dating and doing stupid stuff in middle school. Right. And so um, I started thinking like, oh, well, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a little bit not feminine enough or whatever. And then getting on social media and seeing all this stuff on social media about how women should be, quote unquote, with, you know, nails and makeup and big hair and stuff and all these uh, surgeries and things like that uh, kind of traumatized me. I'm not going to lie because I didn't really care about any of that stuff. And my dad didn't raise me to care about any of that stuff because he was like, guys don't like that off, anyway. You're better off for it too. <laughs> I think so, really. But, you know, in I think a lot in that programming uh, really comes from the social media, what kids see because you're, you're shown consistently all the likes and attention that those women get on social media for being 
you know, stick thin and then having all this fake aspects to themselves in this auto tune or uh, face tune or whatever it's well, called. you're right. You're oh, like, uh, the yeah. auto-tune yeah. Helps too. Yeah. Oh, well, she's such yeah. a great yeah. singer. Meanwhile, her voice is taken from like a D to an F. <laughs> it's just, you know. Yeah. And then quite frankly, I, you know, I became very confused. I, you know, cause a lot of people also treated me as if I was, um, sexually confused as oh, if they're like, supposed I to affirm that oh, right like that's that's the yeah, that's why i use that word so much in the monologue they're supposed to affirm whatever you could tell them whatever it. sort of delusion you wanted to you'd be like i'm a norwal today and they'll be like yes yes you are here's a pill <laughs> and it's confusing because like a lot of guys they they would be like well if you just wore more makeup and more revealing clothes like you know, you'd be so much better. And they thought that I must not be straight or something because of that I asked my dad so many times. And so I took everything to my dad, probably some things more than I should have, but you know, he'd be like, well, just you because didn't know people, something you, you, you asked. You know? At least you had someone yeah, you knew you could rely on on this earth. Yes. You exactly. Know, think of all and the people that don't really, you know, exactly. And that's kind of where my point is because you know, he was at least able to tell me, like, Keisha, just because people feel that way about you doesn't mean that's your reality. Guys don't like this anyways. And if you want to change something, here's the solution on how we can change it without actually hurting you, but helping you progress more in in life and for yourself. And so, you know, he gave me so, some solutions and I got out of it. Actually, in high school, I was quite a grunge listener to as well, because for some reason, <laughs> the algorithm... Yeah, the algorithm was playing a bunch of UK grunge, uh, you know, music. And we got so much, for some reason, so much of my feed was UK grunge, depressed, anorexic, or <laughs> these fake bodied women. And yeah, I was just no. like, what, grunge what's I going on? The grunge I was talking with, I was uh, in Seattle back in the early 90s. And even that was... A part of it was kind of unhealthy because uh, there was a lot of drug use and things like that. But I just want to tell you this, um, just from my point of view, the the girl that I was in love with for most of my adult life, she never put makeup on. And I, you know, in my opinion, uh, she didn't need any. So I, I don't know why, I don't know why people get uh, so, so mixed up with makeup and things like that. I don't know. Well, and people forget well, sort of the Gordon, psychological things in that too. Like yeah. Jordan Peterson brought that yeah. up in, in one of his talks with a, a, a people about uh, sexualization in the workplace. And he got a lot of heat for it. He's like, if you're wearing red, bright red lipstick, what do you think people are going to look at? Like, I'm just I'm in a room. Everything is gray. Everything is just like these neutral colors in an office. And I'm looking around and over here, I got these bright, shining red lips. Damn right. I'm going to look over there. <laughs> you know? And that's kind of funny because, like, again, that's showing that there is a very much difference between men and women. Like, as a man, um, my well, not me, but like as men, like how you're saying that it's a visual thing. Like, women often, from what I've seen and myself personally, I think women can see people naked or and don't care. They're just like, well, that doesn't disturb me. Like whatever. Like it's disturbing because I don't ask to see it, but it's not going to do anything yeah. to them. Look at how many mentally. women are nurses and, and deal with people yeah. in those situations where they have to change you, they have to bathe you, they have to take your bed exactly. away and stuff like that. Like they just they they see a lot of stuff and they just sort of put it aside. You know, they deal with those exactly traumas of of the visuals that they in, encounter differently. 
Guys would be like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. I'm wiping that butt. (laughs) But as soon as you start telling a woman like all these sweet nothings and all these nice things, she's like crippled. It's like it's there's a clear difference. It's it's why so many women, unfortunately, they get punched in the face. But the guy says they love them. So they stay because they're confused. And unfortunately, it's just it's just there's difference between the way that we do things. Well, it's a positive and there's obviously some negatives as well. But that's why, you know, we have to balance. Well, and we have to have honest conversations about it, which is why I'm, I'm glad we're all here today to talk about this kind of stuff, because that's the way through it. You know, that's the only way through it. You know, is that we, we have to deal with the, the socialization that's being, you know, engineered up, up in, in, around us and in so many ways, you know, whether it be online or just in our interactions with people in the workplace and other things. We just have to overcome it with honesty. Like so much of what we do here and just uncovering and looking into things and whatever you want to call us, like the alt to the alt, the truther community. There's so many things about the conspiracy theorists. You know, there's so much about us. We're just, we're just searching for the truth, man. Like we're just trying to have an honest conversation, you know? So that's why it's great to run into people like yourself and your father and the people that are working with you under the Karis project and so many of the other, you know, groups that we're, we're now uh, friends with, you know, that, that we have a, we have a friendship, we have a community now where we can share honest conversations like this so we can move past these types of issues as, as a people. I, uh, I hope that more people check out your stuff and, and ours and our, our other friends so they can form their own better opinions and their own better solutions to this too and share them with us. You know, I want it to be cyclical. I want people in our audience and people in the chat and other people like in the comments, get back to us. Like, Let's have a more open discussion about this stuff because that's the only way that we build a better society is, is by joining up and making one. Uh, but lastly, I'm going to end with this. Um, this is going to be uh, from the New York Post. Court rules, thanks courts, against a New York worker who's fired for refusing LGBTQ training. So when the platform wants to force you into a certain way of thinking, if you fight that, don't worry, the system will back them on forcing you to think a certain way. It says a federal appellate court rejected the case of an upstate man who was fired from his job at a school district in 2018 after refusing to attend mandatory workplace LGBTQ training. Raymond uh, Zadunsky argued that the LGBTQ training held by his employer, the Erie 2 Chautauqua Cataraugus, wow, that's that's a crazy one, uh, board Chautauqua. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, Keisha, you should have been correcting him. It's all right with your Native American heritage. Okay, it's Chautauqua. She probably sat back and was ladylike about it. She didn't want to correct the man. You know, let's see this guy try. Yeah, yeah. Man, I've had a rough time with (laughs) pronouncing shit lately. I got to get better at that. All right, but it says the Cooperative Educational Services or BOCES. Uh, was aimed at changing his religious beliefs about gender and sexuality. Well, yes, obviously, because they're trying to re-educate you. This is the same thing that they did. I, I watched, I'm going to switch back to the panel real quick for this. Um, I watched uh, a, 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 I watch a YouTube channel called Jimmy the Giant, where this guy talks about different radical sports. So rather being like parkour or dirt bike racing, or and they talked about um, over in Asia, there's this group of scooter racers that that existed over there and where they would soup up the John Henry, you would love this stuff, 
where they would take these little scooters that bore out the motors that do all kinds of things to them that strip them down make them super light that put wheels on them that were really thin so they could cut and take corners and do all this stuff and ride up on the sidewalks and everything well the society around them started to hate them because they were taking over the streets it was like every night was like fast and the furious you know <laughs> so uh what the, what they did was is that they started having public humiliations and re-education training so they would round up these bike riders, the ones that they could catch, and then humiliate them in public and send them into torture re-education camp where they'd ha- they would be physically tortured, right? And, and sometimes in front of other people uh, to make sure that they learned their lesson. We're, we're not that far off here with this type of LGBTQ training. The only thing we're not doing is that we're not pulling the religious people out of the training and flogging them in public. That's the only thing we are to, we, we can, we can, we can rip them from their careers of multiple decades. We can throw them out on the streets. Um, you know, we can, uh, you know, tell, we can, uh, defame them, you know, by, by telling everybody that they're bigoted or that they're, uh, fearful of people, all the phobic uh, type of talk that they can uh, apply to you, all that labeling theory stuff. We could do all that. We just, in our culture, we haven't gone full, like, uh, re you know, physical torture re-education yet or have not we yet. or have we not yet it's psychological but i think sometimes the psychological can be far more grueling and worse like i'd rather i think i'd rather somebody beat me savagely and i have been like in previous my previous marriage or whatever i would rather take those beatings than some of the psychological torture that i've been through this last couple of years and i think it's kind of similar with what they're doing with this, this is a cult mentality or religion, regardless, because when you try to force this on someone and say that you have to do this or else, it's, it's traumatizing for those people because now they're telling people that if you're not attracted to, tra- if men are not attracted to men or, you know, they're, they're transphobic or, tra- or trans or homophobic. Yeah. They're transphobic. They're homophobic. They're racist. They're bigoted. They're just, you know. Men Holy. dressing up as women. I like girls, and, so now yeah. I'm going to be arrested and tortured. Okay, you terrible this, cis there man. There are men who are actually being um, coerced or forced into sexual encounters with other men, and they're leaving completely traumatized, defeated. Like I can't even imagine how they feel like in that kind of circumstance. For that, you know, in in that way, because as a man, I think. You know, there, there's something different about that. Uh, it seems the way that, you know, it just it sounds horrific. The way that the things some some of the things that I've read, uh, the posts of people explaining their experience being kind of coerced and forced into this sexual relationship with a a trans person, and it they're, you know, it, the psychological torture becomes physical for them for months on end, and they hate themselves, and some of them want to kill themselves, unfortunately, or control alt delete. Maybe I should say I don't know, but you know, no, this right. is kind of the thing. Themselves. Yeah, there's no, no way to sugarcoat that. Well, yeah, and the awful. people placed in these situations, like uh, we have somebody in the chat saying that that was their fear of, you know, being continuing on being a teacher. Because if you were ever to refuse this type of stuff, that's it. Yeah. All the education that you went through, all the all the tough times, all the all the studying, all the you know the the asides that you had with kids and abusive homes that you may have helped, you know the 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 mentoring, you know, all the good that you could have done for all that time, what takes precedent? Well, in the state, what takes precedent is this, 
If you don't go by with what the platform is currently pushing, you're done. You know, if you don't, and, and look what it takes over, even religious beliefs. Like this is this is the thing with our culture now. What takes precedent? Uh, and the person's also saying losing a job can be pretty bad a consequence, but that, that they believe also that they can be fired. You know, for this stuff, of course, because that's that's the that's the accepted rule of law in business. You know, when Isn't we allow to be laws protecting all of this stuff. Well, yeah, there should have been. Well, like you the can... First Amendment. And, you know, stuff I thought there like was that. already. Yeah, and now all of a sudden. No, sorry, sorry. You, I was just saying you could follow pretty much every religion today except for Christianity. And I think that, you know, it. you don't, just because you don't agree with someone's way of living doesn't mean that you can't be loving and respectful to them right. and work alongside them. It's like you can live your life and have free will the same way everybody else in the country has free will. As long as you're not raping and killing people or, you know, pedophile or, you know, whatever that's harmful to the genuine public. If you're just crimes. living, yeah. committing crimes, exactly. As, as long as you're not committing crimes, then yeah, we can, you know, work next to each other. You can have good ideas. I can have good ideas. That's but- how it should be. And I don't know what the hell changed. Well, and the judges, the judges agreed with the company for firing him because they had a program. I want everybody to take note of this. They had a program that was designed to facilitate a safe environment for students and staff. It was designed, that was, that was the, their motivation, right? What the hell does their motivation for something have to do with reality? They can claim that we designed this to be safe for students and staff. Well, what if it isn't? What do you ever, what do these places ever demonstrate to prove that their actions are actually resulting in the things that they're claiming to be for? If, if just like going back to the Zuckerberg thing, well, we, we have a, we have a, a department that covers that stuff. We're, we're protecting chi- children. You know, we have these policies on uh, sex trafficking on Twitter because we're protecting children. Well, okay, that that's that's what you're claiming. Does anyone ever check them? Anybody check their homework? Like since we're talking about school here, like that that's the, the thing when it comes to the social engineering it? stuff. They never demonstrate it. Yeah, didn't the other article say yeah. he removed that? He removed that actual department. Oh yeah, like completely. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll scroll down here. It says the, it was after Zuckerberg was personally warned. Just to go back a little bit, it says we're not on track to succeed in our core well-being topics, which is problematic use, bullying and harassment connections, and SSI, and our increased regulatory risk and external criticism. These affect everyone, especially youth and creators. If not addressed, these will follow us into the metaverse, which is, of course. The next step is like, good luck getting your kids off of Angry Birds or whatever they're playing on their tablet whenever it's in their face, whenever it's their world now, you know, where the, where they interact with all the other kids, because, you know, it's, it's, it's a, they're protecting the kids by keeping them separate from one another. Isn't that what they told us during COVID? You know, you're protecting your kid by keeping him out of school. You're protecting your kid from keeping him from his family. You know, and you're protecting your kid by making them forced to wear a mask so they can't understand what what the hell a smile is or why people are smiling. You know, those things. They always make these claims, but they never demonstrate the results. They never demonstrate the results. And it's because they can't. Because they would pull their pants down and everybody would laugh. That's why. Everybody would see how stupid and what the actual result was of their social engineering and their rigging. It's usually hard (laughs) on on a grand scale, too. 
But um, just to go back to um, one last thing on this, though, it says in quotes, it just seems like the country is against the Christian way of life, and it's for everything else. This is that thesis, antithesis, synthesis thing we were talking about. Problem, reaction, solution, folks. Now, Zadinsky said in response, we're not allowed to practice our way of life, but anyone else can, it seems. So now with um, yeah. this uh, last little bit, because we were talking about children, you know, Chris, you, you submitted this too. Um, it says COVID has worse. This is from Yahoo News. COVID, uh, by way of the New York Times as well, COVID worsened a health crisis among pregnant women. It says uh, Tanny Cunningham doesn't remember the birth of her son. She was not quite seven months pregnant when she became acutely ill with COVID-19 in May of 2021. And by the time she was taken by helicopter, to an Indianapolis hospital, she was coughing and gasping for breath. The baby was not due for 11 more weeks, but Cunningham's lungs were failing. The medical team, worried that neither she nor the fetus would survive so long as she was pregnant, asked her fiancé to authorize an emergency cesarean section. In quotes, says, I asked, are they both going to make it? Matt Cunningham recalled, and they said that they couldn't answer that. The government data suggests that scenes like this played out with shocking frequency in 2021, the second year of the pandemic, and the National Center for Health Statistics reported Thursday that 1,205 pregnant women died in 2021, representing. I'd like to know. I'd like to know how many of them had the uh, jabs. Well, yes, uh, representing 40% increase in maternal deaths compared to 2020, when there was 861 deaths and a 60% increase compared with 2019, where there was only 754. So I'm going to switch back to the panel for this because I wanted to end with that little bit because, Keisha, like you've talked about in the past, this stuff is a bioweapon. You know, this this affecting pregnant women like this, you know, Chris, what you brought up with the shots, it's a valid point. But I think it came from both ends, my friend. I think that the bioweapon was both what was oh, released and what was in the shots. Both And both are very much alike, if not exactly the same and for the same purpose. Well, what we- what we found in our research was uh, the nurse we're working with and the doctor, my dad combined, um, and Dr. Mackis in Canada. It seems as though that the, the quote-unquote COVID was a primer to weaken your body's response to the bioweapon, which was the vaccine. And um, unfortunately, they've put all sorts of Frankenstein of evil in it. I mean, there's um, H5N1, SARS-CoV-1, 2, and 3. There's HIV, there's syphilis. There's a 900% increase of syphilis in newborn babies. And uh, it's a, a greater, like you said, that huge increase of the stillbirths and also the women that are dying. It's And unfortunately, I read a paper just the other day saying that women are the ones that are more um, injured from the actual vaccination. Like, I guess they took more of them or something, or they were more likely to take them or something like that, I guess, and they end up being more injured. But it's it's disturbing because it's, you never ever, I mean, when in history have we seen them experiment vaccines on pregnant women and babies, like publicly, you know, like probably they were doing evil behind the scenes and that's disgusting, but, you know, publicly telling people, the general population that this is okay. I heard a story of a a woman who offered her child to be a part of the um, Pfizer trials because she thought she was protecting her kid um, by getting her ahead of the game than anybody else. Her child is, I think, completely crippled now. 
um, and injured from that vaccine. And Pfizer took her out of the uh, out of the trial and said that it wasn't as a result of that. And they completely cut off the family and didn't even, I think, do any of the agreements that was promised in the contract. And, you know, it's, I think it's something of a, a depopulation, it seems like, because they're killing so many people. And then we also saw something in regards to it being uh, in coordination with 23andMe and Ancestry and that they actually sold that information to those various corporations so that they could study how these things would affect the genes. So, you know, it, I don't think there's coincidence with why all these people are in bed together doing these things when it results in so many deaths and especially in women and children. It's, it's horrendous. I mean, that's a long convoluted answer for this is disgusting. But, oh, no. but you mean the same yeah. 20 uh, here, you have to reload, I guess the server again on this website, but you mean the same 23 and me that's right at the top of the list of donations to black lives matter on this website, the, that same 23 yes. and me. Oh, I wonder why yeah. they're all coordinated around well, the same political goals. And getting the same people That's elected. That's why I was so disgusted. Mm-hmm. And it's confusing because, well, it's not confusing. It's it's disturbing because they're killing people on every front, like um, advertising this abortion till full term. They're killing people with the straight up bioweapons. They're killing people with the food. They're trying to take away their farming. I mean, they're teaching them lies about nutrition and, you know, preventative cares for health and how what we have in nature is literally healing to the body naturally. Or even um, with the, you know, the train derailments, right? The trains. Yeah. The there trains was one as well. that just derailed at six o'clock this morning. That was one of the articles that sent you uh six again at 50. Right 50, on schedule. 50,000 yeah. gallons of diesel into the, uh, into the ground. It was one of the articles. Six. That's oh, so, and of that's course like that will light a blaze point. at some point. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And then the the movie or whatever on Netflix that showed it uh, a year White in noise. advance. White noise. Predict programming. I I after after seeing that I started thinking to myself all these um, Netflix because I noticed a, a huge increase in Netflix on um, movies with a UK based theme of the tyranny and then the overthrow and then the people having to go back to a certain way of living and then fighting yes. for their freedom and starving and AV you know, struggling. Vendetta, things like that. Yeah. yeah. But specifically that very much where you have to go and live in a, a camp or whatever with your small village and try to fend for yourself. Yeah. And you mean this Netflix case now, you mean this Netflix that contributed $205 million to black lives matter. <laughs> It's like they're preparing people for complete destruction in their minds and just getting them ready to settle, like, for what's going on. That's if they're actually doing that. I mean, you know, I think there's no coincidences, but some people think that there are. I personally, the Bible says there are none. So I, I believe the Bible on that front. Well, that's what we've been uh, describing to since pretty much the start of this. Right, John Henry? No coincidences. That's what we've been saying. So. But uh, let's go around the panel and get some final thoughts for this episode as we wrap things up. Um, who wants to go first? Keisha, do you want to go first there? Yeah, Keisha. Ah, uh, sure. All right. Well, 
I thank you guys for having me on. It has been a pleasure. I, you know, I love this. Perhaps you guys can come on our podcast at some point and do the same thing. Heck yeah. I like the way that you had the layout here. And actually, it's giving me some ideas. So don't come for me if I take some of them. Yeah. No, <laughs> the DIY community, we encourage all of that. Please, if you find anything useful to you and you want to adopt it in your own show, for, for sure, I'll even help you. I'll, I'll tell you exactly how it goes. You know that. Please. Yeah. Because I, you know, as everybody has, Maybe if anybody does know what the setup I have, I'm I'm slowly uh, adjusting it and and trying to make it better. But well, um, tell people where to find that stuff. By the way, tell people where to find all that. Oh, uh, I'm on I'm on Twitter and Rumble and YouTube until they cancel the channel, which seems pretty soon here. But it's the Karis Project, K A R I S. That's my sister. We're still trying to get her back, but you know we will eventually. But um. Yeah, I, I'm doing my projects there and uh, trying to figure out, eventually I will figure out this screen stuff that you're talking about, uh, Six. But the sharing screen, good good, good platform, good idea. I'm going to use that because I think it keeps people pretty engaged. And live streams, I'm trying to figure out. Trying to figure that out, but I will. <laughs> We're going to get it working. But yeah, We're thanks get for having me, guys. No problem. And all those links to uh, Keisha's work are in the description. I don't think I include the YouTube one, but you know, if, you, if you're if you on YouTube and use that, look up Keras Project there as well. But I have the Rumble and Twitters uh, there for Keisha and the Keras Project in the description of these videos. So, But uh, Chris, final thoughts for this week, brother. Yeah, I hate to put Keisha on the spot, but uh, are you available tomorrow at some point, tomorrow night? What time? 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yes. Okay, because I do a, a small little show on uh, Ocelli.com, and uh, I'd really like you to be the guest. Oh, sure. Thanks. Great. It's an awesome show, Keisha, um, and I was featured on it on Monday. Until it was what, great. Okay, great. Until what time? It's just an hour. Yeah, a little under okay. an hour. Mm-hmm. And that that's a whole other... That opens... That gets your story out to a whole other, uh, I don't know, demographic. A whole other audience, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. what what Ocelli Network and everything brings to the table, too. Um, just a lot of legitimacy, decades worth of research, all kinds of different personalities there. And it's independent, truly independent media. Like we said, Chuck Ocelli just got the network back up and running this week, You know, thanks to the help of the community and, and, and things like that. So we're very appreciative right. of them over there. I think there would be okay. you would be you your story need, should be heard by as many uh, platforms and as many people as possible. So if I can help in even some small way, then I'd like to do that. So thank, thank you. I you. appreciate it. Well, okay. I put it in the calendar here, so yeah, <laughs> hopefully I don't have as much problems getting on this time. <laughs> no, no, we'll talk after yeah. this ends real quick, are. and then. But anyway, yeah, I, that's all I got to say. Worthwhile for me to say right now. So thank thanks. you, Chris. John Henry, final thoughts for this week, brother. Mm, if you have a problem, solve it. If something's broke, fix it. No excuses. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it now. That's all I got. Appreciate everybody. I thank you for that, John Henry. Very, very simple but very wise uh, advice from our friend John Henry there. So, but um, as we began uh, this uh, stream, you know, minus our technical gremlins, shout out to the gremlins out there, you know, don't feed them after midnight. 
the brain gremlin though from from gremlins 2 is still my all-time favorite gremlin like i thought he was the best when he talks about bro. you know investing in shotguns and canned goods you know gross. But, but actually gross. he wasn't wrong folks um he, <laughs> he really wasn't you know shout out to the preppers out there but um you know but for for me though like to wrap up this episode i wanted to bring someone like keisha on here because she's part of the diy community we're part of a growing community um ocelli.com as well as is part of that movement our friends over at knights of the storm people like david knight people like billy ree valentine tony arterburn don jeffries um the list goes on and on and we keep on growing here and we keep on doing new and exciting things so look for uh future projects involving all the people that i just mentioned uh, follow all of us on social media. If you want to join the uh, TNP crew, it's really easy to do. Just uh, follow us on whatever platform is your favorite. Um, you know, share this, share these videos with people that need to see or hear this information. All right, and then also drop comments to us. You know, if you can't be around for the live streams and jumping in the chat, uh, throw some comments in the comment sections of these videos, and we'll get back to you. You know, Graves, I know that you you comment on Rumble and things like that, and catch up with comments. And I also get the email notifications I could forward to the team. So if you want to pass along a message to somebody, drop a comment and I'll make sure it reaches them if they don't see it themselves. But um, as we grow here more and as we have more opportunities to reach more people, and every week it seems that we've been growing, um, I just wanted to you know throw out uh, that we appreciate that. We recognize that. Um, we're, we're happy to be a part of all this. But um, the more that we work towards a new type of culture, and building our own out of this, you know, based on our own values, um, the more people that we can, you know, have adopt these things, the the further out that we're going to be reaching into different methods too, not just podcasts, but also Graves and I on Monday on the Ocelli Network, uh, Ocelli.com, we talked about movies, music, uh, board games, all different types of things to engage people. So there are no limits. This is our universe. We do what we want. So until we meet again, and until we are free, Chris, you wanted to say it? No, I was just going to say uh, Slinkies too, but that was stupid. So I'm sorry, and I regret it already. Until we are Slinkies, we are the new prisoners. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the new prisoners. Let us know what you think about this week's topics on our Minds page and Substack, or leave a comment under our video on BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, and Brideon. You can also risk being shadow banned, suspended, or permanently banned on Twitter and Instagram with us, or speak freely with us on Gab. Please feel free to share your own sources with us, and remember to share the information we provided you here. You never know what kind of difference it could make. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, email number 6 at protonmail.com. Provide a brief description of the topic or topics that you would like to discuss, and a screener will contact you. You can always choose to appear anonymously. And you can also donate to The New Prisoners through anchor.fm slash the new prisoner number six slash support. There you can make a monthly donation of 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99. We also have a subscribe star where you can make a one-time or recurring contribution at subscribestar.com slash the hyphen new hyphen prisoners. Or you could donate US dollars and crypto to us on Mines and Odyssey.
All donations go towards studio upgrades to make more content and advertising to spread the word about the show. Every amount is appreciated. Demand answers, not orders. We are the new prisoners.